So this is, I think, episode four now of uh, the Headphone Show live stream. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, and this is an interesting one because we have a full unveiling of Max settings, or should I say, how's it going, Carter? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think everybody was. Uh, it continues. Everybody's to my name was Max. Exactly. Everybody. Yeah. And. So actually, I was going to ask you about that. I mean, we might as well start there. Uh, okay. So this, so to my, so to your, on the right side, bottom is Max Settings. He's a, for those who are unaware, he's a uh, YouTube reviewer, does headphone reviews. Uh, and he was at uh, CanJam as well. And so mm-hmm. we got to meet up in person. And this is the first time that Max has turned the camera around. And so the question I'd put to you is, do you, are, are your videos now going to be, turned around is it going to be uh, are you seeing a whole new world right now in your head (laughs) Uh, well i mean the reason why i've never i don't know turned the camera around is because you know i just never really saw a reason to do it i mean because it's not about me it's it's about the product yeah but i mean maybe uh now for maybe like i don't know fit reason or something i could maybe do uh you know some shots with me in the video but I don't expect like you know full on me talking the entire time, <laughs> but well, so with that, I was going to ask. I mean, mm-hmm. you you're in, you're doing the YouTube thing now, but I mean, is this just uh-huh. on the side or is yeah, this... it's just just on the side for fun. What is what is your normal go to uh, livelihood? Okay, so so right now I'm doing uh, two things. Uh, I actually am in college. I'm a college student right now. Oh, right on. And I'm uh, currently pursuing a degree in uh, audio engineering, so that is fun. This and, seems appropriate. Yeah, <laughs> my nephew. I'm also thing. working for uh, one of my friends runs a uh, media production company, and I'm working for him on the side too a little bit. And I am the uh, audio engineer for him as well. So that's kind of what I'm doing right now, primarily. And then just uh, you know YouTube on the side for fun. For fun, yeah. Yep. And going to uh, headphone events like CanJam, uh, mm-hmm. which just happened this past weekend. Yep. And for anybody who didn't go, uh, I highly recommend going. That was my first time, and it was awesome. And I'll have a whole bunch of videos coming up here soon on the CanJam experience. And uh, actually, the, I got to interview a ton of people, which was awesome. Um, it was yeah, I got to connect with the YouTube crowd, like Metal Five Seven One, Max Settings, uh, DMS, but also a lot of the vendors. Um, so I, got, I did an uh, interview with uh, Fang Bian from Haifa Man and Sankar from Odyssey. So mm-hmm. that uh, that was kind of like a highlight for me. Um, but uh, I figured I'd ask you, uh, Max or mm-hmm. <laughs> Carter. I don't know what should I say. Max, is that okay? Yeah, just Max is fine. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Just... Okay. Uh, what was the uh, let's say maybe not highlight because we have a video on that. But what was something interesting that you took away from CanJam that you weren't expecting? Ooh, okay, yeah. Uh, this year there were quite a few surprises at CanJam. I mean, obviously you'll see this when uh, I guess your full highlight video comes out. But the the DMS Dianify, which you made a video of yesterday, I saw. Yeah, that was one of the big big surprises. Because the thing I've always said about, you know, at least the more modern Abyss stuff was that, you know, the technical performance was was always there. It was just that, you know, the comfort was always very compromised. 
and the you know the tuning in the FR has always been a little bit off to me. Mm -hmm. And you know his mod, you know, fixed the comfort and also made the FR a lot more normal than the Diana Phi has had ever really been. You and, had an opportunity to try them side by side at the show, like the yes. stock Diana Phi and then the modded, yeah. Yes, as well as um, I also spent a couple hours with it, you know, in a actual hotel room. Oh, uh, right, Friday, that's right. Friday you guys were doing that, yeah, ahead yeah, of time. We it was me, uh, Metal571, uh, Flux from Discord, uh, Ketchup, who was in the chat or was earlier, and one of my friends, yeah. And Friday and Saturday night, you know, we got to spend, you know, three, three four hours with it both nights, you know, on, like, our own source gear with our own music and actually got to really spend some time with it and evaluate it. And it's it's really, really good. Um, you know, people need to take this seriously. This could be, you know, the game changer. This is, like, what everybody wants. The LCD4 with mids at, like, <laughs> HD 650 weight. Yeah. Um, so there's a few things with that. I mean, you, just you mentioned that you guys got a chance to try it with your own music. And actually, that's something that uh, Flux was... Uh, at just about every uh, table, uh, I I saw Flux with his own music, mm -hmm. switching out his his own music for whatever you know, so he could actually have a chance to listen on you know stuff that was a reference for him. Yeah. And it it's amazing how much of a difference that makes when you're trying to get any sort of serious impression um, at these kind of shows. I mean, yeah, show conditions is it's not ideal anyways, but if you're listening to music that you're not familiar with. It, you don't know what that stuff is supposed to sound like or what it's supposed to sound like on gear that you use as a reference. So being able to hear, what, you know, for you, the Diana Phi DMS mod, being able to hear that in uh, in that hotel room with your own music goes a long way, uh, I think, to being able to make that kind of uh, assessment. For me, uh, I I just heard it off of what DMS had. Yeah, and... which was like the WAW 11 and the uh, XDSD, or no, XCAN. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and so he was basically, for anyone uh, unaware, he was walking around the show and just t taking his, he had them around his neck, basically, and he was just putting them on people and getting their impressions. Uh, and specifically, a lot of the, you know, reviewers, um, not just people, you know, on YouTube, but like people who write articles and stuff like that. So he was uh, getting people to try them and getting feedback. And then a lot of this was to... You know, see what the general consensus was, and it it seemed to be exactly what Max is saying that that you know all the issues that that it were there for this headphone. I mean, I in my review, I did not like the headphone all that much because of the comfort. I thought there were certain yeah. things that I liked, but the comfort was just it killed it for me. And then his mod fixed so much about it um, that I I mean, I'm in, I'm inclined to agree. I'd have to evaluate them, you know, side by side with other like with my own music, like you were saying. Mm -hmm. and, and with, um, you know, next to like an LCD4 or something like that, or other, you know, crazy detail stuff to you know, get a sense of that exactly. But from the coolest thing about the DMS Danify for me is that this is the first time that I've heard something that it, that it doesn't feel like the form factor compromises on the, the technical performance. Because usually, like Agreed. with planars, They'll, you know, make it single sided or they'll have some way of, you know, reducing the weight. And then that means that they're not putting in the strongest magnets or something. Right. Yep. And with the Diana Phi, uh, from my understanding is that the driver there 
is very similar to what's going on with the 1266TC. Yeah, I think it's the 1266TC driver just scaled down four millimeters smaller. Just just a tiny little bit smaller there yeah, to fit it's... the, yeah. Um, so that's, and actually I was surprised to learn about this because uh, those are pretty small transducers in there anyways, in both the 1266 yeah. and the Diana Phi, when you, especially when you compare it to like the 106 or 107 millimeter drivers from Odyssey. And then they're still able to get pretty good dynamics and slam and impact and all that. So that was surprising to me as well. But uh, yeah, yeah. Um, go ahead. Yeah. And I, I remember seeing uh, DMS talk about this on the episode he was on. I think it was your last one. Yeah. yeah. Where, where they spend crazy amounts of money on the magnets for those things. Like, what do you say? Like almost like a thousand dollars per headphone just in raw cost on the magnets which is crazy. Uh, yeah i don't remember but it was surprising like I think there was like i spent like a like a couple thousand for a handful yeah. of magnets which i'm gonna assume is like roughly a thousand dollars each on magnets yeah crazy. yeah uh and now so like that was actually something let's just get back to the diana Fi there because the mm -hmm. the what his mod was wasn't just pads it was no, he removed so, the front cover. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. He took out the the front uh, screen over the driver, and I think also on the back too there was some screen he took out also, mm. if I remember correctly. But so he tells me the the pad changes were what's responsible for most of the tuning differences. The frequency the, the frequency response or, and tonality yeah, differences. Yeah, response, yeah, changes, and the mesh he doesn't think makes as much of a difference, but I believe he told me that it just increases the detail a little bit. I could see that. That makes sense. And obviously, they don't they don't recommend you take out the the mesh because you know it compromises the longevity of the headphone because yeah. you know this is they want their headphones to last like a hundred years or whatever. That's their whole uh, their whole thing. Yeah. And I don't know. I mean, I'm honestly okay with you know taking it out and dealing with it, just treating it like an e-stat or something, where if you know just put like a like a bag on it, like stacks owners do. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, so that's what he told me about the his mod. Yeah, um, yeah. When I was chatting with them, they didn't seem to like. I was no, asking actually. No, because like I was asking earlier if it's something that they would like if you could just produce his modded headphone as like a the regular you know let's call it the diana five v2 or something like that mm -hmm. and i think that that's the biggest hesitation there is you know changing the uh the uh front cover but i also wanted to ask uh when you compared so did you try the stock diana Fi uh at the at their booth where they oh, had the booth? two yes. yeah How'd you find that? Uh, I thought his mod, you know, obviously was a much more even FR. The mid-range sounded uh, a little more correct and less dip. And Diana usually had that. Where's that shout at? Like 1K-ish? For something? me, it's a 1K, yeah. But like, yeah, that, yeah. that like 1K-ish shout. It, 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 I mean, he's right that like when you move it like back and forth, it, it does change. It changes, yeah, yeah. Um, yes. And then I also thought his sounded a little bit more detailed. And I thought it slammed a little bit harder, too. Definitely. The Diana Fi. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Did you try the Diana V2? I did. I don't. I wasn't a massive fan of the Diana V2. I did not like that at all. I, and I you didn't know, like it. It sounded it, way less detailed. It sounded nowhere near as good, even compared to the stock Diana Fi. Like Agreed. the technical, it was like the technical performance was just not on the same level. 
no, even a little bit. No, it's it sounded to me like maybe like a fifteen-ish hundred-dollar planar. Yeah, it didn't sound like a three thousand-dollar and planar. It's fascinating because apparently they measure the same. I know, and do they do not sound the same at all? And to really me, weird. that's like the next kind of like putting the screws to this idea of it's all just frequency response because clearly there's something else going on there if they do measure the same right in theory yeah yeah, yeah. i don't know what I still... he's measuring on though but right and that's the other so thing that's is a like another discussion exactly yeah what they do their measurements on yeah and who knows because like i bet if it was like a completely unsmooth measurement mm -hmm. maybe there are a few differences here and there that we're just not like you know paying too much attention to and the overall tonality is generally the same Mm -hmm. But the few little things, you know, here and there that the unsmoothed pieces that we're not really noticing might have an impact there. Um, but yeah, in any case, that that was definitely very interesting. What um, yeah. was there anything for like uh, source gear that you found interesting from Kanjo? Or okay, surprising? So, yeah, there were, the one thing that really surprised me um, at the Odyssey table, they had a, a Nagra tube deck. So Nagra, I learned afterwards, actually talking to, I think, some of the guys from Head Audio. Nagra is a company that was, uh, correct me if I'm wrong on this, but they're some of the ones who were involved in, like, the, the Watergate tapping. Like, they, really? they were producing, yeah, like, they, I've they were... I've never I know nothing about them. But those are, like, the, the more old-school kind of DACs, right? Like, that's... Yeah, tube DACs, that's, like, old, yeah, old yeah. school stuff. Yeah. yeah. And I know I was with, with Flux, and he was you know flipping out about it with the lc4 because lc4 is pretty much his favorite headphone mm -hmm. and he's like okay because at the aussie table they had you know like the title with the default playlist and the curated tracks and he's like okay i need to see if this is as legit as i think it is mm -hmm. so he he had the nerve to like go unplug the ipad swap the cable plug in his phone it took uh susfara he had with him oh, out yeah. of the, his bag <laughs> at the odyssey booth and plug a susfara into this amp and DAC combo at the uh at the odyssey table and he listened to something and he's like here try this and he throws the susfara in my head and plays some amber rhubarth track and this thing starts and there's this like violin and i'm like looking around like <laughs> whoa that thing was like 25 feet way over there and yeah it, it scared me and i kept listening and the layering and the staging on that deck is insane i've never heard that level of layering and staging on any other deck before uh the amber stuff that's uh binaural recording isn't it that's, it, is, it was a binaural recording yeah. but even with normal stuff like the overall just like imaging and separation of that deck is incredible yeah, now yeah. granted it's also thirty thousand dollars but <laughs> But see, there you go. DACs do make a difference. That's always like a big that's, question that's mark for me. That's a whole other discussion yeah. we could talk yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but actually, like that question of, I mean, uh, we, we can get into it, but the idea of a DAC measuring well and a DAC sounding really good. I mean, t to mm -hmm. me, it's, I'm still, like, I, I definitely think that there's more to the story there than just, you know, what the measurements indicate. It's like, I agree. It's like saying, you know, here's here's how uh, here's how this sounds because this is what we can measure, rather than mm -hmm. you know listening to it first and saying, 
here's how this sounds because this is what I experience and then trying to figure out what explains that experience, right? It's going yeah. backwards. Um, yeah. But uh, at the same time, I mean, it's it's that same conversation that Tyler and I had last time about uh, tube amps mm-hmm. and, you know, that kind of stuff where the experience is often missed <laughs> or latch onto data points. Oh, yeah. And, not not really think about the, the experience. Uh, but actually, with that, um, did you get a chance to go to the ZMF? Uh, I did. Yeah. What did yeah, you... I some time in there. What was your takeaway from that? Okay, so the thing with ZMF is what you're definitely paying for with these headphones is obviously the wood, the craftsmanship, the build quality, and mm-hmm. a very, very certain house sound. Mm-hmm. You don't buy a ZMF for technical performance and detail for the price mm-hmm. um, obviously the verite is definitely by far the most detailed thing he makes but for whatever 20 what is it like 25 2600 20 know, well it depends on which one you get like you wood. can get it. yeah but anyway yeah it's it's still not i don't think a two thousand dollar or twenty five hundred dollar headphone in terms of detail but most of his headphones have a very pleasing you know relaxing kind of laid back uh warm sound for the most part but you also can change it a lot with pads, whereas like typically the suede pads can you know make it actually bring up the treble a little bit, and you know pull down the bass a little bit. And the Aeolus with the Universe perforated suede pads actually measures a lot like like a Sennheiser, like an HD 600 or a 650 or something along those lines, whereas it with like a sheepskin pad is a much warmer, darker headphone. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry, just see somebody says, uh, Samuel White says, I know I'm late, but whoa, Max Docs. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, uh, with the, so the thing with the ZMF that I've found, with ZMF Verite specifically that I've found is now that there's, if you look at, you know, that price range, mm-hmm. it is a bit of a challenging price range um, as far as like trying to compare you know, technicalities because now you have headphones like, the the headphone head audio headphone head audio, yep yeah and that's like eighteen nineteen hundred dollars eighteen hundred I think I think it's seventeen ninety nine yeah yeah and that thing I mean I, you got a chance to hear it right so I did what was your what was your takeaway from from that one okay so the headphone was was an interesting one so they had an actual table there and on the table they had a, a Hugo TT two and uh, Fonator X. And I think they had Rune or whatever uh, hooked up. Yeah. And, you know, I was I listened to this with uh, Flux also. And at the same time, we were both trying it. And actually, Metal was there too. So all three of us all tried it at the same time. And we listened to it. And we were all just like really underwhelmed by it. Like it sounded fine. There was nothing like glaringly wrong with it. But people were hyping it as like the be all end all, you know, L C four killer and game headphone. And we were we were pretty disappointed with it. Mm-hmm. Fast forward to day two, we went over to the IFI table and IFI had, you know, their whole stack, uh ICANN, X IDSD or IESL. It's behind me actually. It's yeah, it's right, right there. It's right behind <laughs> you. Yeah, you have it back yeah. there. And for whatever reason, on that particular amp, it actually sounded really good. Like, it actually sounded like it was worth its price point. It had really uh, solid detail for the price point. 
it actually could slam a little bit. And that little bit of bass boost helps because the headphone does roll off a little bit in the like bass it's, regions. It's a, it's a down shelf slightly. It's like it, it extends, shelf. but it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so just a little bit of like one or two clicks of that bass boost on iCan Pro kind of pulls that shelf back up a little bit mm -hmm. and gets it flat and makes the bass sound a lot more correct. It's funny the and, I I learned that with the Pro iCan the uh, the all of that bass boost stuff it's analog. For, it's all analog, yeah, for all of their mm -hmm. stuff, um, mm -hmm. which is interesting. But anyways, yeah, continue. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, so on the, the IFI stack, it actually sounds um, pretty good. I still don't think it's a LCD4 killer, but for the price point, it actually sounds like worth its price point, at least on that stack. So I'm thinking it's pretty amp picky. Did Max already shill DMS Diana? Yes, he did. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> we shilled it. Uh, we didn't even talk about the 1266 yet, but... yeah. Well, so actually, I wanted to mention, so the reason why, at least this is my hunch, uh, you guys listened to it on the SPL Fonitor the first day. Yep. And the first day, they didn't have the, well, there's two things. First, you guys listened to it single-ended, right? Yes. And uh, you also, they also didn't have the dip switch for gain turned on for the SPL mm -hmm. Fonitor, mm -hmm. and it 100% requires it for the headphone. Whereas with the... But I mean, it didn't I, sound good on the Hugo either, though. That was. The I point. don't think the Hugo. I actually haven't heard it on the Hugo. I'm not. I'm not sure. What was it? Was the Hugo feeding the SPL monitor? No, it was its own thing. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, because I. Uh, so the other thing I was going to mention is I'm pr pretty sure it just requires a ton of power, because and the Pro I can has a ton of power. Yeah, <laughs> like it's like, what, 14, like 14 watt. Yeah, it's crazy. So if you if you give it a ton of power, it can it can do it. So I, I imagine oh. that. It, if you guys yeah. heard it the second day on the SPL Fonitor, if you, when you know with the gain switch flipped, that it would probably sound a bit better. And the other thing I was going to mention is that because when I was evaluating it, I I had ex I had those two combos as well. <laughs> so the the Pro ICAN behind me, the and then the Fonitor up there as well, yeah. and the IHA six, and the headphone comes with a single ended cable. But I actually happen to have because it's the same connectors as the uh, ZMF mm -hmm. uh, cable. Yep, I was able to just use my balanced cable and run it on all the balanced outputs, mm -hmm. and I noticed that on the balanced outputs, obviously you get more power. Better. It sounds like it's supposed to. It sounds actually really, really good. So that leads to me. Let me leads me to think. You know, it it probably just requires the a ton of power for starters. But I also think that um, they definitely should have run it on run it balanced on both stacks. Um, it's possible. Yeah, that's I'll, and then I'll I don't know the Hugo is does it have a balanced output? I'm not sure, but the Hugo no, TT Corbett no, is, right? Yeah, Rob yeah. Watts has this like thing yeah. against balance. He's, he does not like uh, balanced outputs. So does um, Benchmark, right? I think. No, Benchmark does balance. HPA four and DAC. Oh no, no, sorry, I'm thinking of um, there's one other company they did they published something on why they're like yeah headphones are all two channel systems anyways and mm -hmm. <laughs> but well yeah, yeah that, that's a whole nother debate yeah, yeah a it's a different we could split into the office, yeah yeah but yeah for sure but for power requirements I mean, that's the that's already the the main advantage of going balanced right you have way more power available and so for me that's with a headphone that was immediately noticeable yeah um, it's possible it could be one of those headphones like uh he6 which is back there for me yeah on the shelf where you know, you can get it loud enough off of, uh, you know, most normal amps, but right. 
it can swing it has a huge power swing it can pull a lot of wattage um mm -hmm. particularly when it does bass where if you if you run it on something like i don't know like if you plug out he6 into a magni 3 for example on high gain you'll get it loud enough to listen to for sure yeah, probably, yeah. probably even without maxing it out but when you you know you introduce start introducing bass into it it the driver has so much movement potential it can pull a lot of power overhead so you'll hit that power ceiling really quick and the driver will you know just hit like a like a maximum of how much power it has to produce bass so it could be a scenario like that mm -hmm. um i was going to ask about the your he6 there because have you modded it at all for uh, comfort <laughs> for comfort yeah hang on let, let me grab it hang on, sure yeah something. yeah okay so the only mods that were done to it was i put um an lc4 headband on it so you can see it oh has... you took the whole i took the, the whole headband off. Yeah, yeah yeah okay this is odyssey yokes uh a full lc4 headband that's brilliant but otherwise it's stock it's just the uh the uh just the standard hyphen pads and i didn't do like any people do like blue tack mods or yeah whatever but yeah codex codex mods yeah otherwise it's stock but i just put yeah. uh lc4 headband on it um because that's all that was always my issue with with those, the, old hyphens. the old ones the new ones are mm -hmm. way more comfortable but the old yeah. ones are yeah yeah that's always been the problem oh and then those headbands would break too the little plastic sliders oh but those are on the 400 eyes and 560 and all those oh, those, the, ones? those were the the yokes would just like snap yeah so yeah those would snap but on the older style with like the he6 the he5 like the original ones mm. it, you know that had that little uh plastic circle that had yes. like, on it that would slide up and down the metal yes that yeah, would yeah. actually break and yeah. uh I, I found that the the metal on because the, the the yoke piece is metal on all those mm -hmm. uh, on my old he uh, five hundred that it it corroded the metal for like for whatever reason like really I, it's not like I was in any weird environment I was mm -hmm. <laughs> you know just like just sitting there and like the metal would just change color and get corroded and I don't know like possible it was really I had to like you know polish it and stuff <laughs> it's like polishing silverware or something yeah that's what um the he1000s do that um like the v1 oh, do they? original v1s they tarnish uh, they start turning black so people get like uh yeah, like yeah silverware polish and they take it in like a rag and like <laughs> polish them so what are you up to today gotta polish my headphones mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah um so I was gonna ask the the he6 I mean mm -hmm. that's your is it your daily head driver headphone your primary go-to i consider it my daily driver headphone yeah yes. and is that like if you could pick an ideal frequency response would it be something like that or what would be your ideal frequency response um i would cut the treble slightly <laughs> just like maybe two or three db off the treble this is like pushing my limits of treble tolerance but the thing about it is the decay is really fast so right. it's not as bad as you know something that's bright but with a very slow decay. So it's it's doable, and it's not too bright for me, but I can definitely see how it, it would be for some people. Well, those people say the older Hi-Fi Man headphones were bright, mm -hmm. and the newer ones are not the quite ones as. Are, mm, no, they're still pretty bright. So I was gonna say, well, but if I compare like the Sandara to well, you know. 
The Sindar is bright too, but it's not like the HE6, right? It's yeah, not it's quite that. Yeah, it's a little less bright, yeah. Yeah, and I actually listened to the HE1000 SE on a Uterp, which is an Aorus oh, audio tube. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I listened to that, and when I listened to the HE1000 SE at, mm-hmm. at home, I that, it was way too bright. Like the treble, yeah, like not, not not sharp, not like harsh or anything like that, because it's crazy resolving, crazy detail. Oh, yeah. But but the frequency response is just like at 10k or something, 9k, or maybe even higher than that. It's just crazy boosted. Yeah, it has, it's really splashy. It has a lot yeah. of error. It gets yeah. control. Yeah, like it's just not not focused. Um, and then when I listened to it on the Uterp, it actually it, it focused it a lot. It was a lot better. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, t- tubes can do that. They tubes can, can do that. Start messing with the really high end frequencies. So, that might be the the solution to the HE one thousand SE because then you still get the technical ability from the headphone, mm-hmm. and it's not hard to drive either. Like it's oh no, it's, it's sensitive. It's Was it like nineteen ohms at like a hundred some odd a milliwatt? It's like, so it's too sensitive for any of the amps back here. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I mean, it's so, it's, it's doable yeah. on phones. Like I think it's even easier to drive than the Ananda, which is already meant to be driven. Oh yeah, it is. It is way easier. Yeah. This, by the way, my favorite brand at the show. I should probably do a video about this, but my favorite brand at the show was uh, Earmen. Earmen. <laughs> just didn't stop just, by them. Just because of the name. But you saw the name, right? I saw the name. Yeah, the name is good. Yeah. So, so Earmen is uh, Oris Audio. Uh, mm-hmm. It's the same same people who do Oris Audio. They because for anyone unaware, they do ridiculously high end tube amps like that look crazy. Like they, I don't know. They they look amazing. Uh, and they decided to do some entry level solid state stuff with this, and that's what Earman is. And this is this is the TR dash amp. Yeah, you, I saw that in the preview video. If you yeah, if you uh, if you if you get rid of the hyphen, it's a tramp. So I love the name. <laughs> and then the other one they have, which I don't have here, is the Donald Dack. Mm-hmm. Dack. <laughs> Donald Dack. But, is a great name. Yeah, this is fantastic. And I I haven't really played around with this much, but this is uh right around the same kind of thing as the iFi Nano. It's a little little bit bigger, but it's not a much. lot bigger than the Nano or the Micro. So the the Nano, this is actually so okay, like so it's 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 longer than the Nano, but it's yeah. not as chunky, right? Okay. Uh, um is it price but, opening? Yeah, I think so. It, like About 2 249? Yeah, yeah, something like that. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And the Nano, the Nano is actually getting discontinued by the way. Oh, really? Is it? By the hip deck, uh-huh. yeah. Okay. That makes a certain amount of sense, yeah. Um, the, one, the weird thing about the Nano is that the IE match has like forums output impedance on it. Uh huh. Uh, it doesn't yeah. make any sense to me. So use it with like an Andromeda, just like kills your bass. Yeah, like oh. <laughs> it's like why? It's like you you have a specific port for IEMs that ruins the sound of the most popular IEMs. <laughs> I know. Never I, I didn't get sense. that. Yeah, but anyways, I have to. I haven't even you know used this at all yet. I have to still mess around with that and see how it does. But that's a ESS based. Uh, DAC mm-hmm. amp combo, and I, I'm keeping my eye out for a lot of that stuff more and more these days because stuff's just getting easier and easier to drive. You know, the, the you don't part. need to have the the crazy like there's stuff like head audio obviously, but then there's other stuff mm-hmm. like the HE1000SE where it's just coming down and you could drive it off that no problem. <laughs> oh yeah, easily, easily, yeah. Um, so okay, so your ideal frequency response is something like an HE6, just maybe not quite as bright. More or uh, less. More or less, yeah. Um, I noticed you have a very unique headphone on right now. 
that oh, yeah. is one of a kind. Why don't you tell me well, about that? <laughs> actually, no, there's two. Well, Flux has one too, but oh, okay, at, okay. Uh, two, one at, of two, <laughs> one of two, yeah. At uh, a can jam this year, uh, Axel Grell was there, and for those of you that don't know who Axel Grell is, uh, he is the gentleman that worked at Sennheiser from 1991 to 2018. And he is the designer of headphones of the likes of the HD 580, the HD 580 Jubilee, HD 600, HD 650, HD 800, HD 700, HD 660S, HD 58X, uh, HD 820. HD 820. That was his last headphone, <laughs> 820. So he kind of went out on a poor note. Uh, but yeah, so anyway, I saw him there at the show. I started talking to him for a little bit, and we talked about a few different things. And I asked him if he would uh, autograph my HD 580, and he gave me a really surprised look. So I think I'm the first person that's ever asked him to sign a headphone because it was based on his look. So uh, you can use the camera focus. Oh, yeah, I see it. See. Yeah. I think it's upside down too. But right there on the headband is uh, Axel Grell's signature on and so a that's, HD 580. That's the original HD 580. That's his, that was his first headphone, yes. Yeah, yeah. So the the resale value of that has gone up. It's gone up. <laughs> Probably so, yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I actually met him as well there. I, I was trying mm -hmm. to shoot an interview with him, but my battery died halfway through, which is a oh, yeah. really unfortunate. But I was asking him about uh, you know, diffuse field. Like mm -hmm. his whole concept of the diffuse field loudness equalization, I was asking him, like, how did you achieve that? Because there's some information about that online, but uh, I... I was always questioning where that came from, mm -hmm. um, you know, where they sat people in a room and then had speakers all around and then it put, had microphones in the ears. And I never really got clarity on what the actual process was for that. But it turns out that's that's actually what they did. <laughs> and then that's how they yeah. developed the um, the tuning of the HD 800, I think. See where yeah, it's which that apparently doesn't work that well because HD 800 tuning is a little weird, but... Yeah, yeah, you get well. So that's the thing, right? They they based it on let's say hard science mm -hmm. rather than consumer research. <laughs> well, yeah, which uh, is which is interesting to me because when I was talking to him, also he was he was telling his um, philosophy for tuning headphones. Mm -hmm. and he also was talking about this. They had a, like an AMA panel with a bunch of people, which was another right. interesting story. But um, he was he was going on this whole thing about how when he's creating headphones that he listens first that's the first thing he always listens to it the other thing he said that was interesting was he tries to listen with the ears of people from like different countries and different nationalities because that's interesting him, people in japan want a different kind of sound than people in the united states the people in like the middle east or europe like they all have slightly different uh preferences in terms of sound like more bass less bass more treble less treble more mids less mids stuff like that and he said that when he was creating headphones that he would intentionally listen to like popular types of music um in different areas to try to see how they would perform with you know those types of genres and he would train himself to know like what generally people in certain regions preferred so that he could, you know, try to get a sense of how it would be received in uh, different geographical areas. So he's doing market research for, for different regions mm -hmm. as well, the same way that like the the Sean Olive, the, the yes. consumer curve uh, is sort of the general 
sense of that. Mm-hmm. And, and that was one of that was one of his um, complaints with Olive in the uh, the Harmon Target was I think Olive only did uh, listeners in the U.S. as far as I know. Or North, well, North, or America. North America, yeah, North America, yeah. yeah. That's really interesting, and I wonder. I mean, let's assume that this has something to do with, uh, like, cultural, uh, yeah, like, cultural preference for for mm-hmm. music and how sound should be, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I assume that's that's what it is, but that's fascinating that that would be uh, mm-hmm. something Alleg- to focus on. Allegedly, there's also some physical difference so that's the other thing i was going to ask yeah yes somebody somebody told me about this once i've never actually saw the post myself but somebody told me that um a couple years ago uh jude from head and one of the other like whatever administrative people uh there at head did a test where they were listening um to a sign sweep or whatever on some headphone oh yeah and when they got like above 10k like jude this guy and everybody else in the office that was of like asian uh descent heard like this peak at like i think it was like 14 and a half k or something like that where people who were like caucasian heard it at like a different frequency or something like that and there's apparently like some slight difference to the human ear depending upon your nationality or something so Ethnic, ethnicity or ethnicity yeah yeah um ideally not coming up with something like the bell curve for headphones but mm-hmm. <laughs> it's very interesting that there is uh, both cultural differences and ethnic differences if yep. that is even the case mm-hmm. but um I, i'd be curious to see the differences in axel grell's research market research for even if it is even we're talking to sort of the you know cultural differences for how people prefer to hear um, headphones mm-hmm. um yeah ver- then, uh, versus you know the the, the sean olive consumer uh market research which is yeah, let's assume that it's just north america i don't actually know if that's true but uh seeing where those it'd be interesting to see okay here's like the here's the consumer curve for north america and then here's you know the consumer curve for europe and here's the consumer curve for asia or you know that kind of mm-hmm. stuff and and see where the preferences differ mm-hmm. uh, just as a it, i think just think it would be interesting yeah that would be very interesting um yeah. and then continuing off of what he was saying so after all that kind of stuff then he does the measurements and right his his point was that a lot of people are biased by you know frequency response measurements and it makes them you know hear stuff that maybe is not necessarily there which i agree with to some degree because people do get biased by graphs somewhat but then but then you also don't want to be those people that say that you know the graphs mean literally nothing because there's a lot of people out there like that um but Mm -hmm. yeah so the thing he was saying was that on the HD820, you know, there's that big dip at like 300 hertz in the base. Yeah. He, Grell was telling me, he was like, he was like, yeah, uh, that dip at 300 hertz, when you listen to it, it's not actually there. The only reason <laughs> anybody hears it is because people see the measurements and they want to hear it because the dip is there or because they see the dip there. And I'm just like, mm, I don't know about that one, but. Well, it, I get his so... point, but not in that case. I don't agree with him there. Yeah, I, I think there's a few things. Whoop, we lost. Ah, we're getting Tyler back. Tyler's back. All right. Uh, I think. Um, but yeah, there's a few things with that. The first is that, so when you told me that, um, 
it made me think, okay, I was probably wrong about my assessment of why the HD820 sounds the way that it does. Um, I just thought, I just assumed that where the 300 hertz dip is, if it wasn't there, there would be ringing or it wouldn't be as clean because that's where the absorption, like, because the, the glass is concave, right? So mm -hmm. the point is to, you know, deal with reflections off the glass by by sending them towards some sort of absorption. That That's what they call it anyways. Yep. And I just figured that'd be... That'd be right around 300 hertz, and so then they're just going to drop it. <laughs> but it, so it sounds like they'd have to, and then, you know, that that's how they managed to make the stage still good, spacious, yeah. and get all the separation qualities. But it sounds like they could have done that somewhere else. And I wonder, Possible. yeah, like I wonder what would have been required, maybe a different uh, angle to the glass or something like that, and then, mm -hmm. uh, you know, drop... I'm just trying to think of what frequency wouldn't be as bad. Maybe th maybe three k hertz. Yeah, because that's that people are really sensitive to. Yeah, and then, well, there's a lot of headphones that do that. I mean, mm -hmm. to a certain extent, the Verite does that, and yeah. it, it 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 gives a certain character to the presentation. That I mean, personally, I like energy at three at not too much, but I like a little bit of energy there for pianos and stuff like that. But mm -hmm. for a lot of instrument, uh, a lot of music with instruments, that's not. It's fairly innocuous. It's not actually all that bad. Yeah, uh, to have a, a bit of a dip there, it, yeah. and, but at three at three hundred hertz, uh, you, yeah, you de I definitely hear it. Yeah, yeah, I hear it too. It's I think most people that hear the H twenty also hear it. Yeah, and it accentuates because there's also like a bass emphasis there too. It accentuates uh -huh. the the bass emphasis. Oh yeah, uh, and and it just doesn't sound as it doesn't sound as clean or well defined to me. Nope, um, mm -hmm. oh, I think oh. yep, and yep, we're back. <laughs> um, but I was going to say uh, the other the other part of that is um, if you imagine the average consumer listening to the HD820 mm -hmm. and not necessarily picking up on the 300 hertz dip, the the uh, success of the HD820 of the closed back yet still spacious mm -hmm. type of stuff uh, that I think in some ways for the average person who isn't specifically listening for, you know, that kind of 300 hertz dip, yeah. I can see his point where, you know, the they'll notice more the, the things that it's successful at rather than the wonkiness at 300 hertz. And I yeah. think that's that's something that, you know, you and I probably, we, we scrutinize so much about the frequency response and, you know, tonality and all this. But I think for the average person when they just put on a headphone, never look at measurements, never think about any of that stuff, it's probably a lot easier to identify with the things that a headphone does really, really well than mm -hmm. the, the the things that headphones um, may not be perfect at, right? Or may have an issue with. You were mentioning earlier, Andrew, too, um, before jumping on, was the Synergy and or uh, tiers of gear that you'd recommend or that you listen to personally, actually, I think is what was more what they're looking for. Like what's mm. your well, like low tier, uh, okay. entry level, entry level, mid level, high level uh, listening systems. Um, go from there. I think for me personally, my my uh, low level would probably be the uh, I have sitting here um, would be the Cos Porta Pros with the Axi pads with standard dongle into a phone, uh, so, and then I think your <laughs> phone is on. Yeah, somebody's <laughs> somebody's phone's vibrating. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that. Uh, so um, should. But yeah, so as I say, the axi pads with that stuff, and then uh, mid level. So how much does that come in at the the axi pad with the 
Uh, if you get them from Drop, you can get them for with the Yaxi pads for well under fifty bucks, probably closer to forty bucks. Holy bucks. smokes! Um, I did not realize it was that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow. It's not expensive, and they're and they're as far as like entry level, amazing. I mean, for entry level, um, yeah, I'd be shocked if anybody had anything bad to say about them at that level. I I saw somebody on the bus with them, and I wanted to like go up and be like, <laughs> "Good, give good taste." <laughs> I was chatting with uh, Taryn and uh, I think it was Taryn and Andrew were talking about how there was a guy that trolls him. He feels like that wears <laughs> the cosplay <Cotter> pros <laughs> and just kind of walks around oh. their office and like around the. That's bus amazing. With them. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's funny. See him uh, out the window. Yeah, and then uh, as far as um, uh, I guess portability wise, I use the uh, KNN six II um, for my uh, portability DAC. Uh, or DAP, I guess would be more appropriate. Um, mm-hmm. And I use that actually with all of my headphones. So I actually use them with my Verite Clothes, my Verites, my Aeolus. Uh, my- Sorry, the KN6II, that's the mid-level one, right? Yeah, it's the one right below the N8. So right. Okay, um, yeah, 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 yeah. And it has the modular system, so you can pop out the uh, the Amp DAC systems. And you, can cool. have, you have three now. Cool, yeah. um, so that does that really good. Does that one have uh, EQ like full range EQ? Yeah, it has the Hibby. It has the Hib- it, They they partner with Hibby, so oh. they the Hibbies. They're weird. Uh, they don't call it EQ. They call it something else, but it's a similar system where they mm-hmm. can, you can like yeah do the EQ. And then obviously it's it's, based, it's full Android, so you can do the Google Play Store all that fun stuff. Right. My, um, portable. And you can stream title and yeah, and I have Cobuz, Cobuz, uh, yeah. Spotify Premium on here, um, and then I did have title on here for a little bit before I. Yeah, because that's uh, I was actually looking at getting that one before, like it just came out, and I was looking into DAPs, and I was deciding between that one and the ANK SR15. Mm-hmm. Uh, ended up getting neither, but <laughs> I, I think those are what's that SR15 is actually I, that's what I upgraded from. I have still have uh, SR15 sitting here, and I that's what I upgraded to was that from the SR15, just because it's had more power, so I can run it with right. my, you know I can throw these on it. Not that it's perfect with that, but uh, right. you obviously you need more power for those things. Um, I even listened to the headphone with it, to be honest. Which oh, cool. cool! You know, cool. like it, I mean, it wasn't great. It wasn't, but it wasn't bad. <laughs> uh, the but that has a balanced output too, right? Yeah, yeah, that's four point four pinnacle, four. which has become my uh, go-to balance for everything now. So um, cool. Four point four. Yeah, I like four point four a lot. There we go. It's uh. But that's with this module. So like the there's a, right. a new one, the EO EO one, I believe. This is the newest one, which is only single edit, and it's only one. I think it's only the three point five. So something right. Uh, for the I like the idea of having it with balance. That's it seems. I don't. Know, I'm I'm all two point five on balance, but uh, <laughs> I I can understand the appeal of Pentacon, but like I, I just think they they need to decide like <laughs> have one. <laughs> like which is I'm gonna. This is actually I, I randomly. Oh no, this is my <laughs> area after cable. But uh, I have it on my. Uh, Oh, my uh, Verite uh, opens. I have these, the, the heart audio cables. Oh, have you cool. Seen those guys? No. Yeah, so I have one of those. They have like this really cool modular system. So, oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I did see that. Pentacon, yeah. like, it, and you just modulate, it just plugs right in with a mini XLR to the mini mm-hmm. cable. And so that's my kind of been fun to be able to do that, which has been super helpful with the ZMF because that's a lot of stuff I use on a daily is my ZMF. Right. Um, uh, I just easily just swap them out between all the different uh, devices that I have. So uh, anything from my tubes to the monitor to uh, the RMB to, you know. So, so that, go ahead. I was just say that covers your like entry to mid level. What would you say for source gear would be your like 
your high end. <laughs> uh, so right now, so if I'm doing uh, neutral, neutral listening and kind of more evaluation level to kind of see what the actual headphones providing me rather than the DAC or the amp is I would go RME into my Fonitor XE. Um, oh. That's my, my <laughs> neutral uh, listening. And I, I keep the, the RME at completely neutral balanced EQ, nothing, no EQ at all. Right. Um, and I try to keep it at the, the basically the uh, uh, default setting as far as line out and that kind of stuff for his volume and everything. Um, right. And then... And that's using the AKM 4490s for the... Uh... Yeah, forty four ninety. I don't have the the new one. Uh, the I know, FS. Uh, the four four nine three. Have the the both yeah. of the the new RMEs, uh, which I got to play with the other day with him. That was pretty cool. Man, uh, uh, the uh, I just uh, just about the forty four nineties. I that I was talking to the guys from Lake the uh, Lake People or it's the Bioelectric. Yeah, Lake People. Yeah, yeah, and uh, uh, they had. Uh, they were using a DAC that I, I think it's like a prototype that's gonna that's out either now or it's gonna be out soon. I think it was using the forty four nineties as well, uh, but they had an amp there called the Nimbus. Nimbus, Nimbus that yeah. was very interesting. That like was a very flagship. Good like I think it's like I don't know five what the price is. Don't quote like me on that. Six, <laughs> five or six thousand. It's really yeah, about five. That's what I heard. Five grand. Um, but it was interesting to me that that one was. Uh, as far as I understand, it was also uh, transformer coupled, and also like I, I, I had I had I had an interview with the guy there, Freed, his name is, but um, it sounded to me like there was a a desire or an emphasis to make it a little bit more almost like bass focused, a little bit more low end focused, mm -hmm. um, which is interesting. It's uh, I only listen to it with the Empyrean, so I can't really judge how oh, it would be yeah. with like. But it changed dramatically from you know other source gear, so it's very interesting for how solid state stuff changes. But anyway, sorry to interrupt you there, Tyler. I'll let oh, you continue. Uh, no, so and then that's that's my my neutral. I also love at the so actually speaking of solid state, so the Fonitor is what I upgraded to from mm -hmm. all the THX stuff. Like I've had a couple of the THX apps. Mm -hmm. um, to me, the THX amps are phenomenal value. Uh, Do you have the 887 as well? or I actually got rid of all my THX amps. Oh. Um, but I did have the 887 and the 789, and I've been able to play with some of the other ones. But uh, um, to me, they're too sterile, if that makes sense. They don't, the, uh, the enjoyment's not there. It's, uh, they're, they either have black background, they sound great, they're neutral, but they're, they're sterile. They don't have the enjoyment factor that the uh, other amps in that realm have. Um, so, so with uh, with the seven eight nine and eight eight seven, those would be like kind of like mid to upper, right? Yeah, like they're bordering. It. Yeah, mm -hmm. okay. And I would and and as far as like the equivalent, I would say if you're looking for uh, neutrality and, and and just something that's just purely gets out of the way, I found them slightly fatiguing also, um, but not in a manner that would be even remotely someone that regularly listens to headphones would have a problem with. I don't think um, mm -hmm. your average your average user, I guess. Uh, I mean, I would listen for eight hours plus on, on these amps. A yeah. Day kind of thing. yeah. 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 So, uh, but on the other flip of that, would I would say the Jotunheim would be my other favorite as far as enjoyment level. So I think there's two different categories that people need to kind of take into account. There's the uh, I'm analytical and I'm listening to this for analytics, uh, or because I enjoy that bright or that uh, analytical sound. Uh, and then there's the enjoyment factor of like uh, we had the suggestion like between tubes versus yeah. Uh, 
uh, solid states even. Um, and this is your thing about lean, yeah, the lean forward st sound and the lean back kind of. Thing. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> I love that. Am I am I engaged? Yeah. <laughs> am I leaning forward? Am I am I picking apart all the the, the sounds yeah. that are coming through the, the headphones, uh, or am I sipping on some whiskey or something? That's like, <laughs> oh, this is it, and then kind of just letting go and relaxing, let your brain float. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so that's what I found with the Jotunheim versus the THX. The Jotunheim would be more of that sit back and relax, whereas the, the THX amps give you that more like in your face, like, oh, this I'm picking up little things I didn't really... Not that the Jotunheim couldn't pick those up either. It's just that the way it presents it is more of a mm -hmm. relaxed sound. Now, is um, that the Jotunheim R? Uh, I have the Jotunheim R currently, but that's completely different. That's answer. for yeah. the... That's, that's for the, the Raw. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that one, is, like, you... It's a Jotunheim in name just because of the case, but that that's purely designed for Pure, this. It's, yeah. not, okay, it's okay. not the same. Um, so, so then you'd have two. You have a, a regular Jotunheim as well. And... I, I did actually. Got oh, you did. Too. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> Once I got the monitor, it was uh, solid sure. state. Called just uh, it was just excess at that point. Um, yeah. As far as uh, solid states, that I still have outside of the monitor are. Um, I, I honestly think I just have the shit hell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's mostly for gaming and stuff, but uh, um, and also so, obviously the, the, the all uh, the all in ones like the RME and, and the, right, they have amps too. Stuff, you know. Yeah. Um, uh, how much is the the Jotunheim now? Like the one that you got rid of, got, or the yeah. the new? The, so I think they still run right around three hundred dollars. I think right. They're still they're really. I think they're, they're five hundred new, but used. They're really cheap. Yeah. Well, okay. Yeah. So four. Yeah. That's no, what okay, three three ninety three ninety nine new with no DAC. Yeah. So four hundred bucks. Yeah. New. You could, in theory, get that with a multi bit DAC, though, right? Correct. I uh, so be aware of that though, because the multi bit DACs that they have, they're little right. modules, so they're not quite as yeah, yeah. good yeah. as like a true I, like like a modi bit mm -hmm. or like the yeah. Or like the, Ian was talking about that a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, Multi-bit in name, but not. Yeah, I'm I'm not a fan <laughs> of any of the shit built-in DAC modules, personally. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, they aren't the, they aren't the the great. You get more value when you stack it with a, a matching. Uh, right, right, right. yeah, decks. for sure. Right, fair Which enough. Leads me to my the latest. So the my for my top tier level which for enjoyment side of the house would be the Bifrost two, the new one, mm. uh, and then and I I just basically pair that with everything. As far as for enjoyment wise, what's uh, the deck in there? It's a, multi -bit. Own, own, it's a multi bit, mm. but it's their own design. Mm -hmm. Cool. Uh, but as far as my favorite deck chip goes, it's the AKMs. So the the four four nine zeros and up are my those are my favorites. And then the next uh, like kind of flavor profile that I like a lot is the uh, the Burr Browns. So any of the iffy mm -hmm. uh, Burr Browns are some of my favorites. Um, the ESS I always found a little bit too. I guess bright would be the way to put it. That's not quite Saber right. Glare. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> um, uh, and the other ones I just really never took to, so I didn't really give enough time or even have enough experience in yeah, like a serious logic or something. Yeah. So I mean, but they're good. Like, well, the SR15, uh, that one has that unique. I think that's a, is that serious logic. I can't remember. But that one has. I love the implementation that they did with that. Was the SR15 from uh, uh, NK is. Honestly, one of the that's pretty good for what you're hearing with that. It's very, but it's warm. It's a warmer sound. I so. I just love the form factor. I think yeah. it's tiny. <laughs> that's it's, a little side. Like, so I'm ready to like, put it up on the market. <laughs> I was using this at the at the show, mm -hmm. trying to, realizing oh. that it's actually a challenge to because it's just it's so, you know, huge. 
Yeah. And the the ink the SR15 is like less than half the size of this. Oh yeah, I, I should pull it out of the box. It's tiny. I can, I'll do it real quick just to, so you guys get a size yeah. comparison. <laughs> measuring measuring uh, <laughs> size of port of DAFs. <laughs> Like I, I literally have it still in the box, so. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. Well, little, little unboxing. Let me get that. Uh -huh. <laughs> oh, you, you, for the ASM folks, the old box sound that you didn't pick that up. <laughs> that. Sorry, bad joke. Uh, anyway, so. I'll be listening to that later. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> if you can kind of get an idea, this is the KN. This, yeah, SR15. So SR15, mm -hmm. I have the little plastic wrap on it still. Yeah, so, um, it's just like fits into a jacket pocket. Like it's yeah, it's yeah. It literally fits inside the screen of the, the case. <laughs> I mean, it, I can literally yeah. set it inside the leather case and it sits. Uh, come on, yeah. focus. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, yeah, it's tiny. I mean, it's yeah, little thin. Um, but it sounds great. In fact, I was using this for majority of my listening at work um, for a couple months there, uh, yeah. and then. That's, you know, to give an idea. Like, I, I love that. I used it mostly with my Elysia, what you're wearing now. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, which I think is, I still think that, that headphone's super underrated for what it is. I think everyone was expecting bass and they <laughs> crapped on it because of that. <laughs> it's the glasses, man. I'm telling you. But yeah, it's also the glasses. Hence why glasses. I'm not wearing my glasses. Yeah, now. yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, I, I, daily, I daily drive these all the time, actually. So Yeah. So, so you've gone through the solid state stuff, but do you have currently like say like a flagship tube amplifier like the pendant or yeah so right not the pendant but i have the kn ha1a mark ii which oh the the one that looks like a boat yeah with a little yeah. porthole in it freaking oh, yeah. that one's super fun uh that one is more in line with the pendant uh, i don't think it's as good as the pendant um as yeah, far man. as sound um, i i need to get a pendant i need to yeah. like i'm like i i brought it back to the to zach at the show and i, I like i was like i got home and i was like Oh man, <laughs> like cause yeah. something about like the verite with the pendant was just. I need to. Yeah, it, I need to now do that. <laughs> it is. It is one of the better ones for sure. Yeah. And then I have a <clears throat> kind of uh, have it in the back back here, but back here oh, okay, I have yeah, another I listening see. station, uh, which has my bottlehead crack. Um, and actually, of all things, my uh, which I still keep because it's personalized. But I have an LDAC um, back there from uh, JDS Labs. Which I have like a it's a Calvin and Hobbes looking at the stars. Oh, um, and then so I use that for actually enjoy that the most the bottle head crack with my uh, Zebus, but that's purely for enjoyment because that's distortion to a whole other level. With the... right, those are like <laughs> the the gooier tubes, the yeah, oh, yeah. mega gooey, yeah, yeah. And so, yeah. But, but the as far as the KNs go, uh, uh, the the HA1A Mark II is very similar to the pendant. It just might not be as uh, mm. Um, resolving or like uh, it, it's just there's something there that's not quite as good it's just not hitting it's right there but it's not to that next yeah. level um, which you know, is fair because it's a the pendant I think is twice to three times the cost yeah it's it's like $700 or something yeah. it's not expensive the hot one yeah yeah and it's yeah. it's it's a beautiful I mean I have it on my desk I can, I can move my camera around and show it but it's all, it's all yeah it's behind the camera uh, is they make good stuff like I I use the 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 solid state one, but uh, mm -hmm. I I've really enjoyed like even their like like you're saying with the the N6 II like the DAPS everything I've heard from Kane has been decent at least. Yes. So I'd be curious to hear what that um, the the boat 
<laughs> amp looks like or sounds like. <laughs> it's uh, well, I think uh, uh, Taryn and Andrew have it in their office. You should really. Say, oh yeah, it's buried yeah, it's behind actually... all their whiskey, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. Totally yeah. Um, yeah, and then there's the YouTube there as well, which I need to because I, I need to get into the whole tube thing, man. Like the, it's it's, he... uh, it's I think that's the difference. Like a lot of times that people lose sight of sometimes. Um, is the yeah. enjoyment factor of it sometimes like uh, you know you can get way into the measurements you can yeah. get way into like the analytical piece of it but at the end of the day what do you what are you here for you're here for the music right you're here for the to listening the enjoyment the, and then for me like there's other factor is is like uh, the art of it like uh max yeah. you're saying like you're buying a zmf for the the quality of the you know yeah, like the, the craftsmanship, the craftsmanship the, yeah the handmade like there's an art to it right so there's mm-hmm. i'm also buying into there's, the there's cables yeah there's zmf cables so i mean like the and there's Mikos that or mechanos or yeah, yeah I, have the, the, I have the mechanicos i like it a lot the, mechanicos, the okay. verite four strand silvers so this is like oh, okay. the, the latest one but uh the feel of it right so like the feel of these the look of them the way that the cable feels in your hand like i mean there's all these other factors that come into my mm-hmm. enjoyment of listening to like the music i'm enjoying or the, the scenario so uh putting myself in a frame of mind to enjoy the music rather than um being super analytical so that's another part i like to look at it as too like so for me i'll you know it, it late at night it's a long day at work or hang out with the family and then they all go to bed and i go in my room and I'll throw on some headphones, start doing some photo editing, and then the next thing I know, I'm not photo editing anymore. I'm just leaning <laughs> back, sipping off some whiskey, and, and just lost in the music, you know. Um, yeah, it so, sounds like that, a good uh, evening routine, <laughs> right? Like, so yeah, exactly. So like, it, it kind of puts me at like gets, gets all the edge off and puts me back to where I can mellow out and go lay in bed and crash out. So, um, but there's all those factors that kick in, you know. Like, there's the uh, the feeling of like like literally grabbing headphones and putting them on your head yeah like that's uh, a, that's an underrated experience of like yeah, the physical like <laughs> the overall experience of it yeah, not just yeah. like what am i hearing like what how am i in, what am i what, what situation am i in that i'm now you know putting myself in in, in to enjoy this but, you know that was the thing for me with the a lot of the odyssey headphones where like they looked nice but mm-hmm. because they were really heavy and i knew they were heavy yeah I, the last thing I wanted to do was the physical activity of putting because yeah. I I knew I was it was like I was almost afraid of that like I don't want to do this. <laughs> I was uh, I know exactly what I did that with the LCDX <laughs> review I did like uh, oh yeah yeah like I'd, I'd actually tweak my neck doing some workouts uh, <laughs> picking up heavy Wait, wearing the LCDX <laughs> yeah. yeah right yeah. Uh, in preps for doing that review oh uh, right okay yeah. <laughs> but yeah i took my neck and then i remember i was doing that review and like i mean i'm pretty sure it colored my review to some degree right like cause that that's another thing you have to think about like what what's your frame of mind when you're going in to listening like if i'm going in like oh mm-hmm. my head neck hurts and i have to put this heavy ass thing on my head like i'm gonna be my mindset's tweaked now i'm gonna have a bias towards that um anyway so yeah, with that one, like that was my thought exactly what you just said. Like the LCDX threw those on, I was just like, oh, <laughs> you know, uh, which is funny because I went to Can Jam SoCal like shortly after that review, I think a couple months later, and I put on the uh, the GX LCD GX. Yeah, it's uh, way lighter. Oh man, that thing is, and it's. I mean, it's not as good as the LCD GX for sure. Like I don't, I'm not saying that, you know, but it's it's right there in my opinion as far as sound quality. Um, it does its job and it's i think it's it's only one-sided magnets i believe yeah it's, well it's it's based one-sided on a no phaser based yeah. on an mx4 so, yeah, yeah it's an right mx4 one-sided with no phaser 
So and so it's you're 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 not paying as much for LCDX, but I think as far as like quality of sound, it's it does its job. It does what its intention is. Fantastic soundstage. <laughs> yeah, like it's yeah. one of the better sound stages for an Odyssey mm-hmm. that I've heard. It's yeah, and I, I like I, it a lot. I listen. I use it almost exclusively, or used it exclusively, or I still have it. It's pretty dark up there, but I have it hanging there. But I use it with the shit hell, and I mm-hmm. play video games with it. That was what I was using it for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the intention. Yeah, exactly. And it works I see. Uh, I see Valentin Luke in there in the comments saying the LCD four are even heavier. Absolutely. Oh, yes, uh, yes, LCD four yes. is seven hundred thirty-five grams. Yeah. 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 Beasts. It's, uh, it's crazy. I don't know, Max. How did you find the weight for the LCD four? Did it like it impact didn't your? Didn't bother me no. Interesting, because no, for I, me I wore... it's like I couldn't get over it. Really? I just yeah. wore it in like a. Uh, Discord voice chat for like four plus hours. It, it didn't bother me. <laughs> well, so actually, we were talking about that because mm-hmm. uh, found that the more time I spend reviewing headphones and less time I spend, you know, wearing headphones and just in my normal daily routine, you know, at my desk, mm-hmm. the more weight doesn't bother. Uh, the more I find that the weight of it doesn't bother me as much because that's probably fair. Yeah, because I'm listening for for shorter, more concentrated chunks. Right, I'm not listening for mm-hmm. you know the six to eight hours that it was before it's more like two to four hours at a yep. time writing down notes and stuff like that and then you don't get the same neck issues and you know neck pressure that you would if you mm. were just you know working all day and happened to be wearing them so <laughs> it's a it's a different experience yeah, but it's always a good idea to try to wear them for as long as possible but yeah see where the breaking point is <laughs> yeah i don't know oh. yeah, i did four plus and lc4 didn't bother me interesting i like but, the Oxy headband system personally but you, you do like it yeah that's why it's on yeah yeah six. yeah i i really like it as well i think the head so like that's the thing right like the headband as much as they're heavy they're bricks the headband system on top it's, is it's really great. nice and it's mm-hmm. because it's really wide um it's way better than what it used to be as well yeah like the before, old lcd twos are not before the comfort strap was bad <laughs> yeah. are not comfortable i this, that's why i have a low strap <laughs> from an old lcd2 one of the pre-phaser lcd2s oh yeah yeah back in like 2010 or whatever that was out first gen yeah like 2010 yeah 11. yeah that's, that's 14 i think is when they switched to the phaser like late 14 yeah 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 oh i see metal 571 in the chat oh uh, yep there he is i thought someone stole my purple atticus for a second there once i joined the stream that's uh that's not an atticus that's uh that's the very jc yeah he, he knows he knows oh he knows okay <laughs> you guys are purple bros yeah <laughs> purple alive yeah actually that's so one of the things i'm uh oh i i posted some photos but uh i'm really curious to see what kind of woods zach comes out with uh you know the next little bit here seeing the maple burl that was crazy maple. the new stabilized woods are really so yeah that's that's right the stabilized the stabilized uh, woods yeah yeah Pretty. really nice um but anyways yeah so oops sorry about that uh so for uh so we just we did tyler's so know, source gear yeah so okay yeah so what what would be your kind of like let's say even if you don't have it but like say you're like entry mid and like high tiers for me yeah okay uh let's see so entry tiers i'm out of do you want to go like really budget then like budget and, and then high let's do that there's yeah. no there's I'll, no I'll mids like, i'll do oh no, mids, sorry. I forgot <laughs> really budget, sure budget, yeah mid, high okay 
really budget. Uh, I'm going to go KSC over Porta Pro because I prefer the KSC to the Porta Pro. But either one's fine. Depends on your your sound preference. KSC yeah, is the is it's the it's the, it's the other one. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. one the one with the little the ear clips. KSC seventy five. Yeah. Uh, and then if you need a better DAC camp, obviously, like the Apple USB-C dongle is, is the way to go. Everybody, everybody I, loves the Apple USB-C I hate, dongle. No. Yeah, you don't like the Apple USB-C dongle? No, I just I hate that you said that. Oh, yeah. I'm sure it's fine. Everybody loves the Apple USB-C dongle. But anyway, yeah. uh, so entry level. Oh, yep, there he is. Can't this is a lightning oh, dongle here. Oh, yeah, he's got the mass drop ones, too. It'll look better. Uh, so, yeah, so... That's for entry level for a headphone. Um, if you have a little bit more, I guess you can get a Creative Arvana Live or a K361. Uh, entry level, I'd say either go with like a HD or yeah, HD6XX or like a DT880 600 ohm with probably like a shit stack or a JDS Atom and uh, maybe like an S-Stack or something like that. Uh, mid-level... I'm probably going to go with uh, Focally Lex. I really like the Focally Lex. And honestly, you can stick with the shit stack with that. You really don't need anything yeah, more than that. Yeah, doesn't need much. doesn't need that much. Uh, see, and then high end. I mean, it depends on how high you want to well, go. Actually, I wanted to ask you, have you heard this, the new Sundara? I say new. No. Fang told me there was one. no... Fang told me there was no revision, but he meant, he meant like no version 1, version 2. It's still... I've not still, heard the... I know everybody's telling me it's like massively different because I've owned I owned one Sundara like yeah. right when it first came out, and then yeah. So actually, there was a, a an official revision done to the Sundara after it first came out. After the very like he said, uh, Doctor Fang said it was like two years ago or something like that. Really? So okay. they it first came out, and then shortly after it first came out, they did a revision there. Um, I think it it like was to improve the. Um, Make, improve the driver uh, failure rates so that they were yeah. like a, a little bit more long lasting that. yeah because uh, that's so, something they've had to face for a while <laughs> yeah, but now everybody's telling me in the last like couple months there's been another one that like really changes it it's it's the pads it's the I, at least it's as far I, as i can tell yeah I, i'm probably gonna buy this because it's it's they changed and also these, like slams now which i've it, never yeah it, yeah before uh, and uh, they changed the dust cover as well. That's what oh, I was really? told. Oh, did they but, put the dust cover permanently on the headphone? I, I, I don't know. I haven't looked at it enough. <laughs> okay, because that's what they did with the Aria. Was the, they did the revision of the Aria. Oh, yeah, that's right. They, yeah. they changed the baffle plate to carbon fiber, and then they yeah. took the like the dust cover off the pad and permanently attached it to the headphone. So whatever they did to the Sundara, it, mm -hmm. it improved it, like the sound, a lot. Um, yeah, I need to get one at some point well my hope is that whatever the if the if that stays consistent with the rest of the line like for the aria you know i don't know they also for the aria they reinforced the yokes mm -hmm. so there's a few changes there that i i uh i need to now re-review the ananda and the aria and all those um mm -hmm. because the aria was already like fantastic and if it improves the way that the sindara improved i'm i'm on board i might mm -hmm. have to buy an aria yeah i never had the original aria in-house so i can't really comment on the oh yours was the revision. I'm, the one i reviewed was the revision okay. too yes wait what didn't you get it from taryn and andrew i did yeah but it was i don't think too. Mm, i think there's been an ace that was before the yoke changes oh, did they change the yokes yeah so i think there might have been an even 
more recent one, yeah. Okay, because mine mine had the new baffle plate and the. Uh, oh, okay. So all those all those pieces were in it, yeah. Yeah, I had that okay. much. Like, I don't know about the yokes though. Well, I, I know you can buy the yokes like separately on their site. So like oh, really? the whole okay. you can buy the whole headband uh, piece, and that was yeah. one of the things that they they did change. So. That's where yeah. they weren't reinforcing those before because the real tail end of the 400i, they yeah. reinforced the yoke. So I would assume they would have just carried that over when the Aria came out. I guess not. Uh, yeah, well, maybe actually. that's uh, Maybe it just didn't. Because that yeah, was. I, I don't like, know. That was like two years before the Aria came out. They were fixing the 400i yokes with metal. Yeah, I'm not 100% sure when that happened or when. Because I, I kept hearing about rumors of this, the Hi Fi Man revisions over the last like three months but mm. before that i didn't hear anything there was no rumors about that stuff so that's why i just assumed that the the yoke uh, re reinforced because that's what i when i researched it that's what i found is that they changed the yokes as well so i figured okay. it was just like all at once you know do a whole revision and then change mm -hmm. everything um but uh yeah so so uh, from my uh interview with uh fang bian uh he said uh, well, I'll, I'll release the video soon, actually. But he said that you know they did change the dust cover for a number of them, mm -hmm. and I wonder how much that actually contributes to to the sound changes, or whether or not the sound changes were intentional. But anyways, I'll let you get back to your to your list. <laughs> uh, that Lex. Oh, and then I mean, high end depends on how high end you want to go. Well, let's say like let's do like a thousand dollar mark, or like around a thousand dollars, and then let's do like you know. Number uh, five. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. I mean, around a thousand. Uh, I don't know. You can get a focal clear for around a thousand. The clear is really good. You take the clear like, over the Ananda. Yeah, I like the clear more. I like the Ananda, but the Ananda's way cheaper. The Ananda's the Ananda seven hundred dollars. Like <laughs> yeah, that would yeah. be in the mid tier with the Olex. Yeah, yeah. I find um, the focal clear. There's a little bit of sharpness there to the consonant sounds, like the like the 8.5 k hertz. Just a little bit. Yeah, like it's right on the edge for me. It's way more dynamic than the Ananda is, though. Oh yeah, it's so. It's like it's a punchy. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, we. I have a, a lot. I have a bone to pick with you about the term dynamics. Oh really? Okay. It's it's your fault that people are confused about this. Oh, because okay. there's there's the way that you and I are talking about it right now, and mm -hmm. then there's the way that before. Uh, people used to describe dynamics as the uh, gradations of volume, softs to louds, mm -hmm. and and also microdynamics, softs mm -hmm. to softs. Micro, micro, yeah, there's yeah, all, all that different. stuff, yeah. Mm -hmm. And now when we talk about dynamics, we talk about excursive capability. We've actually excursive. had this, con mm -hmm. yeah, we've had this conversation in Discord. But there's like the uh, the immediacy of zero to a hundred, mm -hmm. right? That's like mm -hmm. that's the punch. Yep. Uh, and then there's the gradations for how fine that that can be. Yep. Uh, so like, like, rather than like single digit intervals from zero to one hundred, it's it's like several decimal places, right? That's kind of yeah. how I'm you know, envisioning the, the the idea of microdynamics. Yeah, that's um, fair. Like the the quick transition between like slight. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so that's why like I I'm trying to. Uh, maybe, and I'm not saying everybody needs to do this, but that's why I'm trying to, like, if I'm talking about what we're talking about when we say dynamics, I'm trying to instead refer to it as, like, the punch or slam punch, or, like, okay. the, yeah, or, like, the excursive capability. Mm -hmm. Whereas uh, the other part, I almost associate more closely with detail because that, it, it contributes to the way that detail sounds. Mm 
Mm-hmm. Um, but again, detail is one of those tough ones. We can talk about this afterwards, but it's the it's the one yeah, of the, the d- most difficult ones. Yeah, like how do we even demarcate that concept of detail? Because it's a it's the result of so many different things, right? It all contributes. Yep. You know, yeah. Uh, <laughs> detail is distortion. Anyway, yeah, I, I'm just kidding. Uh, okay, yeah, I'll let you continue with the. Let's say like yeah, thousand dollars and two thousand. Yeah. I don't want to think about a HD 800s for that. If you. Not to be used though. I don't know. It depends if you go used or new though. That's the other question. Oh, let's say or, new. Let's or say, even only go HD hundred with uh, uh, SDR. the SDR. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. If you only go new, yeah, probably a clear. Or an Aeolus is a little more than a thousand. Aeolus would be a re- like eleven hundred. It's uh, yeah. Yeah. If you stretch up a little bit, then you can go like Aria, or like LCX. But I don't know. LCX if you could. But. If you could pick between the Aria and the Clear, which would you go with? Because those are like yeah, full that's, price, that's like around. The, that's the question. Yeah. That's tough. For me, it's not tough. <laughs> you're, you're gonna go Aria, I'm assuming. Well, I'm a huge Focal fanboy. I love. Oh, the like, Clear. Yeah, but, I'm, I'm leaning Clear as well. No, no, I, I I would go Aria, but I'm saying that's why. Oh. Like, it's surprising for me, but I like to me, it's like. I like the clear a lot, but mm-hmm. I think that the the stage and depth and all that stuff for the aria is just it, it pushes it over the top for me. Exactly. Yeah. Value. Yeah. I if you want punch, I, I if you want punch and yeah, yeah. Like macro dynamics and yeah, and the clear has that in space. Clear has that. Yeah, 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 for sure. Mm-hmm. But both. See, are, I guess it's you really can't go wrong with either. It just depends yeah. on what you value. Yeah, yeah, and the build quality and the design and well, the, yeah, just, the build quality, the clear. <laughs> Yeah, I got so angry at the Aria. I was like, what even, like, this this oh, yeah. ridiculous headband thing yeah. doesn't make any sense. The, the one the one that Taryn Anderson made was literally brand new, like, never used before. And you just yeah. pick it up, you, you just twist it, it's like, squeak, it just squeaks. Oh, yeah, you have, okay, so then you probably did have the latest revision, because the one mm-hmm. that I, re- so you didn't have the one that I reviewed before in the summer. No, but the one I have uh, is okay. before you had it. Oh, yeah, okay. The one I have is brand new. Never, I thought you did yours... It. After I did mine, I don't know. The one I have is brand new. Okay. Yeah. Let me see. I can verify. I don't remember. But sorry about that. I was having the wonderful Uh, overheat. Ah, Max has Max's hasn't overheated yet. That's interesting. (laughs) You have the um, there's there's a setting where you can increase the overheat um, threshold. Yeah. His house is gonna burn down soon. It's just like (laughs) running it up to the max and. (laughs) <laughs> that's what max settings is all about <laughs> um anyway uh so what were you talking about uh yeah oh, the aria versus the, the aria clear. versus the clear yeah i'm yeah. like so you really can't go wrong either it just depends on yeah much what you value yeah yeah um, yeah I, in any case i need to re-review the aria and see just give it you know a proper review and then potentially buy it mm-hmm. because i really liked it um even though it has uh, 8.5k hertz etch from frequency response just a little bit there and then it has a 5k hertz peak as well that's kind of annoying yeah but yeah. beyond that <laughs> people, people find that the treble's too peaky on the it, yeah it is for sure just fair uh, like it like if i wasn't going to eq anything i'd take the clear mm-hmm. but because i'm comfortable you know taking that down a little bit mm-hmm. i basically just eq it to sound like an ananda that's my idea yeah, frequency that's yeah that's fair yeah. Okay. So then, above that, actually, here's a good question for you: Where mm-hmm. do you place the HE6 in that 
you know, the HE6. Above... Yeah. So the HE6, I'd put it about like a thousand dollars in terms of like detail and mm -hmm. whatnot. But in terms of like overall slam, it's it's like one of the best that there is if you amp it right. Double sided magnets for the win. Well, yeah, you need you need <laughs> you need the full speaker amp with like all the gain and yeah stuff. But yeah, it's it definitely slams up there. Yeah, with like the likes of LC4 when you amp it correctly. Interesting. Um. And so you'd put it, like, say, would you put it above the Aria then? Once again, it depends on what you want. Yeah. Or the Aria is still that much larger. Yeah. Stage and presentation. Stage depth. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, and then you also can use it on more rational amps. Where <laughs> I would take, I would take a Aria over an HE6 with if you're running an HE6 off like a very low or low to mid power amp. Say you had the iFi stack, the 14 watts. 14 watts. I don't know. That's tough. I as far as like normal headphone amps goes, like mm -hmm. I don't know anything that's more powerful than that. <laughs> like I. Uh, Ragnarok. Uh, how much is that? How much did the? Well, let's see the. Let me look the. So the with the iFi is what 14 at 16 14. ohms. I think it's at 16 ohms. I think so. The Ragnarok is 24 watts at 32 ohms. Okay, well that's. But it's but keep in mind the Ragnarok is literally a speaker amp where they yeah, route yeah, yeah. the the four pin XLR is the full power of a speaker amp, mm -hmm. which is what I'm using. I have a Ragnarok. Ah, okay. I was gonna ask. That was the next. <laughs> oh yeah, what am I using? Yeah. Yeah. For yeah. So, so I guess um, in your case, then the HE6 would be, you know, placed higher than the. Uh... Well, the best one I, I own. I don't own an Aria. Yeah. yeah, I guess fair enough. <laughs> but do you also do you EQ a little bit for the? No, I, no. I honestly don't. Hmm. Okay. No, I I review everything with with no EQ. But I mean, I re, I understand and respect EQ. But I don't know. That's just what I do. I just review it stock, and I guess you could say as the manufacturer puts it out. Yeah. yeah. Um. Oh, then... oh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh no, I was just going to ask what the next tier would be for the. <laughs> Go ahead, Tyler. I was going to interject real quick. There's in the oh. chat, they're, they're kind of going on a little bit, and that's about the Aria. So let's keep that level real quick. The Aria versus headphones. I know I've had the headphones. Right. Uh, Andrew, you've Ooh, had it. I've not had it yet. I'm okay. getting it. We should, yeah, uh, we should send next, one. Next, like, well, Flux was going to send me one in like two. Oh, yeah, he weeks. bought one, didn't he? Yeah, he's going to send one yeah. in like two or three weeks. So I'll have it in yeah. mid next <laughs> month. But yeah, I don't, I'm not going to comment on that, but I'll let you two. Well, I haven't so, heard Aria, so the only person that's oh, okay. heard both of them <laughs> Andrew, is, yeah. is Andrew. <laughs> yeah. Um, so for me, the it's a for the stage presentation, it's way different. Um, the Aria stage presentation is much more forward in front of me, and the it's still decently wide, but the depth is more forward depth. Mm -hmm. With a headphone, mm -hmm. it's it's lateral depth, right? The forward yeah. stage is not as, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, forward. <laughs> it's it's the lateral depth. It's just crazy and sort of. I, I can only really describe that as like endless. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, and as far as like overall detail capability and textural nuance and all that stuff, I think that the headphone is uh, is better, like noticeably better. As mm -hmm. also for what what we're gonna call here dynamics, <laughs> mm -hmm. I, I think that the headphone is also better. Yeah. Um. But 
Uh, and and as far as the overall frequency response, without without any EQ, uh, the headphone is also more agreeable. But as Max was saying, there's a bit of a downshelf there for the bass. Um, it, so it's it's not really a like a Harmon like presentation. It's more mm-hmm. you know traditional, kind of like a Utopia presentation, yeah. uh, which I think is fine uh, from the music that I like. I, I think it's fine, but it it could benefit a little bit from that base uh, shelf there but at the same time i don't think you have to eq that whereas with the aria i wouldn't use it without eq because it the 5k hertz peak well it's like five to i think there's a few peaks there actually yeah One it's like possibly, two or three peaks yeah 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 um so i would be dropping those down a little bit at least at least the one at 5k hertz because that bugs me a lot and then the the there's one in the consonant range there as well that i would want to drop um, but the bass response in the aria is a little bit more elevated too, so I wouldn't need to change that. Um, I, I, I'd be nope. curious to get your opinion with it uh, after it's been out and is when it comes back, because I experienced the bass getting better as it as I listened to it longer. And, and I was talking to Ian, and he said the same thing. Like his his has has gotten a lot better. Interesting, because so, I mean, just really, I used it for a week, so I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it just came out, and I was like, all right, let's you know. Everything was focused on that one because it kind of blew me away with the detail that it had. Yeah. Um, yeah, I remember picking things up like also the, the, the weird yeah. sound like, like way over here and I'm like, what's yeah, that? yeah. And this, <laughs> it, it's faster too. Like, that's the thing. Like the headphones, the speed, the speed is nuts. Yeah, it's really, really cool. uh, and like the, it normally when I listen for that kind of quality, I think I said this maybe in one in the written review or something. Normally when I listen for that kind of quality. I'm listening for, I hear, I notice it most in, you know, upper mid to bass, how tight and well-defined is the bass, how capable is it in busy passages, that kind of stuff. And uh, with the headphone, I could hear that everywhere. It was like, you know, like when you listen to an LCD4 for the first time, you're like, holy smokes, the bass is incredibly detailed and articulate. Mm -hmm. I had that same experience with the headphone for the rest of the, of the, of the frequency response. Um, not as noticeable in the bass, but that I think also has to do with the design of that AMT driver. Where, in order to get the bass response to even be where it is, uh, they had to they had to do a lot to to make it full range, right? Otherwise, it would just drop down because it's me- yeah. it's mainly meant for uh, tweeters, mm-hmm. Um, or not meant for. It's been traditionally fold. used in tweeters, yeah. <laughs> the fold varies across the thing. Exactly, yeah. Mm-hmm. So when they change the geometry there, they can change the. Uh, they can influence the bass response to actually be able to extend. Um, so I think, I mean, to me, it's it's that's the one area where I, I I'd say definitely the LCD four wins in terms of you know capability and detail and all that. It's it's in the bass, but for the rest of the the frequency response, the all of the technical performance I think is right up there, or pretty darn close. Possible. And, yeah, and I have to again, it's one of those things where like. I'd have to have them side by side to make that judgment. I don't know. Like, mm-hmm. I wouldn't feel confident from memory being like, "Oh yeah, the, the LCD four is better detail, or the headphone is better de- detail." Mm-hmm. Uh, but for the Aria, I can definitely say that the the headphone did perform better but on those. Me- yeah, those categories, mm-hmm. right? So, uh, I think you know personally, you know, if somebody was like, "Here's the headphone and here's an Aria," um, because I'm a necklet, I would probably pick the Aria. But I have to also remember that you know most people aren't necklets. <laughs> I mean, yeah, headphone is LCD four weight. Yeah, well, actually, I didn't mind the comfort as much either. I don't know, maybe it's just the way that, that it's distributed or something. It just doesn't pull my 
doesn't mm. pull my neck down as much, but I I still I for long you know sessions. Plus, I'm constantly wearing headphones and editing videos, and you know, just mm-hmm. I'm, I'm focused on you know working at a desk. Um, that 730 grams or whatever, 715 grams or whatever it weighs. Um, mm-hmm. I think it would get to me after a while. Whereas the Aria, I would imagine. yeah. But the other thing too is like both of those ones, they are incredibly open. Like they, oh yeah. With the, it's like with the Aria, like I my computer fan is like <laughs> it, the noise floor is just <laughs> raised like crazy. So that's that's kind of a drawback. At least I'm finding for mm-hmm. uh, for both and of them. Also, well, leakage. But as long as you don't live with anybody, oh, you're I, fine. I don't but care about that. They're both like. <laughs> They're both literally almost like speakers. Like it's almost yeah. as loud off your head as on your head. Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think it really just depends on whether or not you can handle the weight. And if you can, then absolutely go with the headphone because that's kind of a. I think that would be a almost a no brainer. Possibly. Yeah. Yeah. But then um, if, if okay, you can't, yeah, the Aria is not a bad choice. Mm-hmm. Uh, someone in the chat said, "Can you define slam?" And yeah, I'll let you take that because that's your okay. Yeah. Okay. So. I actually, I think I explained this in my um, Aeon Two review, but mm-hmm. so slam is the like the overall I'd say the sensation of like a bass like hitting you, and a lot of people think that you need the bass to be boosted to give like a like a literal like physical sensation of bass and it actually being physically louder. But if you take a headphone, say like like a like a Mister Speakers ether open and an he6 they both more or less measure with flat base roughly or you could pick another or something like a maybe like a hyphen ananda or something but when you listen to them and you get a bass note like a really hard bass note the sensation of impact on say an he6 because it has a lot more slam it feels a lot more physical with a lot more punch than like a, like an ether open wood, despite them measuring with roughly the same bass yeah. response. Um, to just to add to that point, it's like what we were saying earlier about the speed at which it goes from zero to a hundred. Yep. If it's if it's better at going from zero to a hundred, pistonic motion, let's say, mm-hmm. then the slam might be better. And that's yep. also the the excursive quality, and that's yeah, that's it's also why how much the driver moves. Yeah. So that's why often for dynamic driver headphones. Uh, mm-hmm. Because it's a cone shape, often yep. like it's much easier for it to have a higher excursive cor- uh, force. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas planars, you're dealing with a a plane that kind of pistonically goes like yep. that, right? So yep. having more excursive capability allows for that slam quality to be uh, enhanced, and that's why something like the Focal Clear slams way harder than something like the Aria, or even these ones, the Allegia mm-hmm. slams yeah. harder than you know. But it's mm-hmm. it's actually interesting. I wanted to get your uh, input on this because I was asking, trying to ask Sankar about this, um, and I didn't quite get, you know, the, the full answer. I was a bit, little bit uncertain about this, but why do you think it is that certain planars are able to slam like crazy? Uh, not talking specifically about the mm-hmm. Mr. Speakers ones because those are designed differently. But uh-huh. say you have certain planars, like for example, an LCD four or HE mm-hmm. six, where the slam is just crazy, mm-hmm. and you compare that to something like even the HE1000 from Hi-Fi Man or the mm-hmm. uh, the Aria or some of those other um, planers. Why why is it that, you know, for some of them you get a ton of slam quality or punch and for others you don't? 
uh, and it seems like they're the drivers aren't you know, you know categorically bigger or anything like that i mean we even just said it mm-hmm. with the diana Phi, right like that slams decently hard same mm-hmm. with the tc and the drivers are not particularly big so i'm just wondering like mm-hmm. you know what's your take on that because sankar said that the lc1 the new the the small lcd1 actually has about the same flux as the lcd x <laughs> um so that and that's why metal and i were sort of confused about this because like i, I really don't know in planars what causes that uh, the dynamic yeah. punch to be better or worse whereas in dynamic drivers you can point to it and you could you know generally <laughs> it's the excursive quality yeah i mean and that's what i've always kind of assumed too with planars was somewhat also the excursive quality mm-hmm. because one of the things too with, with the he6 is that those are known to die because the driver right. has so much excursive force it actually can rip itself and actually <laughs> actually smack into the magnet structure right um so that's what i've always assumed but as, as for why like the lc4 i mean i don't know if it's just overall like how fast that driver can move because of how much like flux or, or flux or density it has same with the dianas they have really high uh, flux density mm-hmm. on their magnets but I mean, i'm not i don't know the exact number of how much the uh the lc4 driver can actually move like how big the um mm-hmm. the gap is between the, the magnet structure right so like the actual distance that it could go yeah because that yeah. actually matters too yeah yeah so that's that's what i would assume is the just, one of the reasons it, just, why. it has a lot of room to yeah. actually move with a very high flux or density whereas if you have like an lcd one it's a tiny headphone it's tiny headphone you just don't single-sided magnet you don't have any of that right so mm-hmm. yeah it's uh it's to me that's it's an interesting subject and yeah but you know like yeah and then and then also the counter side when you go over to the dynamic drivers the ones that people say slam a lot are the ones that physically move a lot like yeah. vocals or like the Fostex like if you look at a TH900 driver you can watch it move which is something yeah. you really can't say about like a, like an HD650 or something like that yeah I mean that's it's interesting like one of the uh, I've even heard a, heard a Utopia recently but I actually mm-hmm. think a Utopia slams pretty hard <laughs> it does the it's, driver uh, moves. Yeah. It's, it's really light and it moves really fast yeah yeah but, you, but there's the pistonic motion is there's a certain amount of distance there, right? It actually travels, mm-hmm. um, so that and that's responsible, at least in my, mm-hmm. at least from my understanding. Uh, it says excursion, excursion slash driver size determines SPL. SPL. I don't. That's the yeah, that's the other counter argument, but it's it's hard to say. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's when this is why this is why that conversation with Sankar was so puzzling to me, um, because it sounded. Uh, well, it, it also could be some combination of excursion with speed too. Yeah. Right. Um, but so Sankar was saying that the that one of the reasons, w- one of the things that contributes to that punch quality is, uh, or at least the perception of that is is base elevation, and then the reason why the LCD one doesn't have it is because it has a down shelf, and to mm-hmm. me that's just. That's the Which, same thing we were just talking about also. earlier. Like the perception, for sure, and that's why the you know Aeon Two the perception there is, it's it feels like it slams harder than the original, but at the same time, no, uh, it's not that base that exactly. Base. Yeah, it's not it's not there. It doesn't really oh, yeah. slam that hard. Yeah, I'm, I've I've talked about this too in some of my videos of 
people boosting base to give the sensation of overall slam. Mm -hmm. Which I mean, I and I think what as Sankar was saying in some Odysseys, I like especially the lower end ones like the two. I do think that the fact that the mid range is so dipped out that the base is theoretically elevated mm -hmm. um, that does contribute somewhat to the overall you know slam of the headphone. But then you have something with very high driver exclusion like the HE6. The mid-range is very slightly dipped, but it's not as nearly as much of an Odyssey, and that also slams yeah. really hard. Yeah. I, I just, uh, he said, Skork B says, yeah, scientifically, I don't think we know. Yeah, we, we don't. We're just, we're just. Uh, no, yeah, just, just speculating. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But that's what I'm wondering: is do the engineers know? <laughs> I don't. I don't know. Like I don't know. Some just, do some. Yeah, they have theories, but I don't think we conclusively know. Yeah, it, it's uh, it's pretty interesting that like the you can have. I mean, t the same like you're saying the same measurement in the base. Yeah, it's a, mm -hmm. a different feeling, and and I'm, it's probably also not just for the base. No, but it's just that's where we notice it a lot. Yeah, that's where you more notice it. Agree. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Just sort of like reading up like on the. I feel like we were going to move on to another topic. Well, yeah. Sorry, <laughs> I was going to ask you. Like, uh, once we get uh, sort of above that, you know, like two thousand dollar range, like what would what's oh. like the the next kind of like About like let's say grand, upper yeah. upper like whatever two grand plus. <laughs> yeah, I mean LC four and Utopia have historically been my two, but. Now DMS Diana is is possibly getting to be the one, but bef before that it would have been LC4 Utopia. Not the uh... so actually I was able to hear the Shangri La at Canjam. Oh, the Shangri La! I heard it yeah. last year. I didn't hear it this year, but at the I heard it in a in a private room with uh, with the Fang Ban, mm -hmm. and uh, I didn't hear it for that long. I didn't get a chance to mm -hmm. you know, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, it sounded like an Estat. <laughs> sounded mm -hmm. it was the most open-sounding uh, headphone I've ever heard. Like, yeah, open. The Shangri-La is really detailed, but it's just really thin. It's yeah, just, it's yeah. just uh, I'm, it's not my kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. I, agree. I would I would take an 007 over a Shangri-La, even though it's less detailed. But where would you put? That's a good question, though. Where would oh, you put the 007, 007 in that? Oh yeah, I forgot you know, the 007. With like, say that Mark uh, say the 2.9. I mean, the 07's over two grand new, so you'd have to put it over the two grand. Oh, it's barely over two grand. <laughs> two point two point one for a yeah. brand new two point nine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, seven yeah. is really good. Yeah. Um, mostly because it's the least stack sounding stacks. <laughs> a lot of stuff. Uh, it's the only one that actually. Well, actually, the L seven hundred is pretty good too. That's the other mm. mod of the modern stacks. Those are the two I like. I don't like any of the other lambdas or either of the 09s personally but yeah yeah th that's the only one that has like relatively kind of normal fr like it actually measures it's fairly similar to an odyssey more or less with uh, just with more air and then oh, the actually, 007 does the 007 measures yeah just kind of like an odyssey um and then it actually has some sensation of slam where like the 09 really doesn't mm. but the yeah. 09 detail is nuts yeah, um, where would you put the AB twelve sixty six TC? Yeah, we we didn't talk about the twelve sixty six. Yeah, the twelve sixty six is that's right up there too with 
probably the 09 in terms of detail, but that thing on the Linus stack was crazy. I, uh, crazy. I have some pretty good footage of uh, Metal 571 trying out the... Yeah, it's that thing's hilarious. <laughs> I was See, creeping the, up the... behind him. He didn't know I was there when I was playing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, and the reason why I think we were hyping the Diana 5 or DMS Diana 5 more than the 1266 is just because the Diana 5 with the DMS mod is just so much more livable. Yeah. Still, it's still amp picky, but I don't think it's as amp picky as the H as the 1266. The 1266 seems really source revealing, and then just that overall weight and fit and comfort is just not that great. Um, but the DMS Diana is really comfortable and light and it's actually livable. Yeah, I didn't mind the weight of the 1266. It's only what, like it, 630 grams 630, or something. Yeah, but yeah. something about the way it's just the shape of it with that like rigid spider <laughs> oh, man yeah, i had to like i had to get dms to like help me with the <laughs> yeah. with the fit and like when i put it on us i couldn't actually fit my head through no, it <laughs> it's that thing's thing a rock like you could yeah. kill somebody with that headphone <laughs> yeah um yeah so for me at the show like as much as the shangri-la was like the craziest for for detail and like the most let's say transparent in the sense sense of it would like be, openness right yeah it would be up there with one of the more most detailed headphones i've ever heard yeah uh Although but the real quick did, did you try the junior it was so no it was the shangri-la on the junior amp okay the junior yeah. i th actually think is better than the full shangri-la <laughs> really that's, that's a different <laughs> for, story for yeah. frequency response or like technical yes frequency response Re and actual it's less thin interesting oh yeah because it, it's less thin yeah interesting yeah um, but yeah, so as far as like the like transparent in the open sense, in the like it doesn't feel like there's a headphone there. You just mm -hmm. it's just music. Like mm -hmm. I was, uh, again, I was asking uh, Doctor Fang what what uh, or Doctor Bian what the his version of like you know neutral is or what what that is. And he said sitting in Carnegie Hall and the best seats possible. Right. <laughs> I thought okay, yeah, that I I understand like that sense of of openness, but. Um, as far as like what I was for, for attainable, potentially attainable headphones, <laughs> uh, yeah. for, yeah. I mean, would, I, you, would you pay 50 grand for a Shangri-La? Uh, no, I, yeah, that's like, even the AB 1266 TC is like out of the, yeah, it's like five grand. Yeah. So it's like even more if you get, you know, there's the different packages you can get, mm -hmm. you can pay a thousand dollars for a you can get the shelf thirty thousand dollar fifty thousand for the yeah 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 it's, the shelf is it uh yeah the ms do that oh thing yeah with, the uh, shelf is like what's yeah grand just for the shelf or something yeah like yeah. <laughs> i'm like ridiculous. what is the shelf made out of why is it six grand just, just made like of the, the, bones like, of people uh, uh, cord, the cord, <laughs> the cord uh shelves that you got to get for oh the cord shelves for like the daves yeah yeah the daves that they oof, man those are exploded out yeah mm -hmm. um but yeah so that was the the AB twelve sixty six TC was the other so apart from the Shangri La, the AB twelve sixty six TC was the other experience that I was like, oh yeah, this is uh, this is like up there if not better than the LCD four for for detail for, for detail yeah but everything else about it I, I yeah the, like. the frequency response is still odd with the, with the I mean the yeah. frequency response the LCD four is odd too so what are you going to do I mean that's mm -hmm. I wanted to actually just we'll probably have to wrap up soon because we've been talking for a while but I want to I there's just a theme that I keep noticing with 
trying out flagship headphones, whether it's IEM's headphones of whatever uh, driver type, usually it's more with planar magnetics than others, but I often feel that uh, companies are trying to push the boundaries as far as technical ability goes and not really focusing as much on frequency response and tonality. Uh, and this would make sense with Abyss as well, because um, actually when I was talking to, to DMS on the one that we just did recently, um, where he's talking about how, uh, you know, th their goal was to create one of the most technically impressive headphones you could possibly have, and then not worry too much about frequency response at the moment, but, but you know, so when people move it into different positions and change the sound, right, that kind of thing. Yeah. And so I want to ask you guys i mean what do you think about this idea of it seems like there's two ways of approaching headphone design one is technological advancements and just going full blown you know see what we can do as far as uh you know technology goes and then the other is uh, you know what can we do as far as the tuning and the frequency response to make it match perfectly with what's going to sound ideal and so, for example, something like the Borealis or um, even some of the stuff that, uh, you know, Ryan from Modhouse is doing. I asked him that same question, actually. Um, and I don't know which I, 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 in my mind, you need to have a balance. But uh, and it seems like at least with Abyss that now they're bringing in some of the like with the different revisions that they have, like the TC and whatever they come out with next. It seems like some of the t some of the scrutiny towards frequency response and tonality are now being figured out better whereas before maybe that wasn't as much of a priority it was like okay how do we make the most technically crazy thing that we can and so yeah what do you guys think about finding that balance or the the approach or the method you know is it should we focus primarily on technicalities or how much Basically, how much should we pay attention to tonality, tuning, frequency response, and that kind of thing? Um, I mean, yeah, I'll leave. I'll leave it to Tyler first. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll jump in just because I'm not as technical as you guys are. But uh, for me personally, I think you should start with uh, whatever curve you think is the appropriate start to it, I guess, and then from there just find your own sound, I guess, to what you think is good, like what they mm -hmm. find enjoyable. Because that's what's going to differentiate them from the other companies, right? Is what right. their house sound is, right? So, at least in my opinion, I'm, I'm not that technical mm -hmm. person. But, uh, uh, like, so I would look at it like the way, if you look at all of the different headphones currently on the market, right, they all have a house sound to some degree, right? So that's how I would look at it. I think that they are kind of pushing that, going into that tonality and that thing. But as soon as you start, everyone starts following the same curve or following the same tonality or the same, you know, I think that's when you're going to, like, at what point do you just become... Uh, sell everything to Apple and make them make beats the final end all total. Head. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, I mean, I'm joking, but I mean, at the same time, like that's, you know, like at, at what point, you know, I think the, the, the spice of life factor, you know, like what, you know, there, you kind of mentioned in one of the other uh, YouTube uh, videos, uh, Andrew, was the uh, uh, having different headphones for different uh, moods, mentalities, flavors. I mean, that's, that's part of the joy of it too, right? Like that's when it goes back to my, discussion of what makes me relax or that kind of thing like uh, the experience also is like picking the headphone i want to listen to like what's my mood oh hey you know and not everyone can do that i get that and that's a that's a big deal so um you need to find that that presentation that you prefer and go from there if that makes sense so i think 
as far as what headphone companies are doing right now, as far as searching for that final FR tone. I think that... Uh, T- timbre as well is in there, timbre, right? With yeah, other, uh-huh. you know, say you just want to go for timbre and then, mm-hmm. okay, figure out frequency response and how all that's going to enhance the timbre, right? I would, yeah, exactly. I think that, that it, they just need to, they need to kind of continue with what they're doing. I don't think any of them are actually doing anything overtly wrong in that sense. I think it's, mm. they just need to find their own path and just stick to it if that makes sense i think that's the biggest thing yeah. is don't don't try to uh, uh um go back to the crowds or like go back find what you you like and then go mm-hmm. from there i mean i'm, I'm granted i'm talking about companies that are probably multiple people making these decisions or you know by committee that kind of stuff but i think that the sound engineers need to get involved the, they need to bring in people that 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 are close to what they like or what they're you know in their preferences so like you, for example is the the dms mod you guys are talking about yeah. right they brought dms in to this and also look at now look what they've done they've taken a, this sound their sound profile and he's tweaked it to what he's like the, or you know whatever and then now they have a new shelf to, to base off well i i don't know if if i think he just did that because he wanted it for him <laughs> and yeah. then it turned yeah. out that yeah yeah well, that's yeah. what I'm saying, though, because now now they have that, though. Yeah, and it's yeah. becoming a thing. Now they have a new, technically, <laughs> a new product, right, at that point. Yeah. And, and well, but that's, carries, yeah, that's the know, interesting thing, of... is, like, is, like, they have this this benchmark for mm-hmm. where their technical performance is at with what yeah. they've developed, and then DMS comes along and goes, hey, mm-hmm. I can actually get the frequency response to be what I would ideally want it to be if this if this fits me correctly, right? And then, yeah. and then doing so it it refines the frequency response so that at least in my mind everybody else can enjoy it too and it's just it's just an overall improvement and and that's the part that i'm talking about so go back to um sorry i'm I'm probably wording it bad but like the um what that's what i'm trying to say is like so like you go to a cmf for instance and and you switch pads and each individual person is gonna have a different preference per pad right so that's Mm kind of what i'm talking about so keep your house sound or keep going after those things and then people will find ways to get it to what they like if that makes sense as long as it's possible to do the some aren't gonna be able to do that yeah but but that's what you know like yeah uh, yeah. but the the factor is though the higher quality the headphone or the, the the companies that are doing well in that realm like the reason they do is because their headphones can do that. Right? right. So the minimum, you get it to a certain point. Yeah. At, at least. Yeah. At least. Yeah. I mean, get it to that per, like the, the frequency range that, that fits majority, right? So Harmon or whatever, um, and get the tonality to as close to what majority of people will like. And then the timber, the, you know, all that. And, just, and then from there, you can yeah. tweak it to your desire. And then, I mean, and if it's good, it's good. And then, and then the technical. Perf- so what you're saying though is that like, if the technical performance is at a certain level, mm-hmm. uh, if people are able to tweak things, you know, the 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 overall tuning with pad changes or things like that, then mm-hmm. uh, you know, as long as it's close enough, you know, having a, a, a the ability to make it more personalized is is still good as well. Because at the end of the day, it's a very personal. I mean, I'm yeah. I can't hear anything over there. <laughs> you know I mean, this is a very this is this is here. This is me. Yeah, like, yeah. And now I've talked to speaker. That's a whole other beast entirely. Yeah, but yeah. but for, as far as this is very personal. You know, this is so you need to be able to find that person. Like EQ is a perfect example of that. If you can EQ right. something, then that's you know. I mean, me personally, I'm not a big EQ guy, so I tend to just I, I do the what does the headphone present, and I try to find that to match my mood. But uh, but that's the point, though, right? So like I'm I'm that's my my experience with it so for instance 
uh, you do EQ. I know uh, a couple of people on forums do EQ a lot, and they they they'll tweak the living crap out of a headphone to yeah. get it to exactly what they want, right? Yeah. Um, and so that's that's I think that's the key is being able to allow the end user to find to either one enjoy your house sound, but by getting it to that technicalities and that level that where they can, or and mm-hmm. then also the ability to have the deviation inside there where if you do tweak something it's not going to completely make it a mess or garbage or you know that kind of thing yeah uh, sorry just reading in the chat here uh, sandara for sound if you can get it for 350 yes absolutely oh, do it yeah do it but <laughs> yeah the sound has got problems oh yeah the alir has yeah 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 for sure uh that's actually a good point. The Lear is a perfect example of that. that one, the Lear is one of the ones that right that people can tweak that. That is a perfect example. You get the clear pads, put it on the Lear, right? And it measures like a Lex. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then you can EQ it too to some degree. Yeah. Way more than a other build. Yeah. Personal preference. Yeah. Go ahead. That was another thing I was going to say when you're talking about people massively changing headphones. Is You see this a lot, particularly on Reddit, is everybody does like the oratory harmony oh, yeah. EQs, and they, yeah. they throw they throw these harmony EQs on literally every single headphone they own. And the, the problem with oratory harmony EQs, people don't realize this, is he measures the headphone, and he has the computer generate the EQ profile, and he doesn't remeasure the headphone with the EQ profile. And there's some headphones you just can't EQ to harmony. Like you mm-hmm. can never take an HD 650 and EQ at the Harman. That driver yeah. cannot put put uh, whatever a, what, was, what would that be like a 15 dB bass boost <laughs> at like 20 hertz. Yeah, yeah. The, the total harmonic distortion would be crazy. Yeah. So perfect there, example. When you EQ, there's a, there's a limit. Absolutely. I'd say maybe three or four dB at any point, but once you start pushing past that, it's just like mm. you're, you're breaking other parts. Yeah, it's <laughs> funny. Like breaking I've... other parts. I, I like Harmon, but I've never enjoyed one of the oratory presets. It's I try it every, all the time, even for headphones that I know can do it, mm-hmm. or they don't change. The, the what's needed isn't all that much. Mm-hmm. I just for whatever reason I've just never really enjoyed those. <laughs> but yeah, anyways, I'll let you continue. Anyway, um, oh, this is my turn to talk about that far. Yeah, well, I just the only thing I wanted to mention was the. I've noticed this more. So like for me, I I can't find I can't name a single like flagship true flagship endgame planar that doesn't measure or sound weird in some way and it's, that's kind of the the inspiration mm-hmm. for this question it's it's uh it feels like everybody everything from the lcd4 to the he 1000 se maybe the susvara is is that headphone actually probably the susvara susvara is, is yeah one of the pinnacles of one of the okay yeah so maybe that's the only one but like all of the ones i've tried so far the technical ability is absolutely there Mm-hmm. Uh, and same thing with the Abyss AB1266 TC. It's mm-hmm. like that, the technical ability is there, but it, it is scooped in the upper mid range in a weird way. Like the 3K yep. Hertz dip there, the pianos sound like muffled and muted. Yep. Uh, but then at the same time, it's like all of the crazy detail and like mm-hmm. uh, the extension capability is nuts. The slam is nuts. Stage mm-hmm. is fantastic. So I, I just I wonder about that a little bit. Yeah, I was actually going to joke with you a little bit. You've obviously reviewed the uh, Aeon 2 closed. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, to me, the Abyss AB1266 sounded like an Aeon 2 closed with better technical performance. <laughs> like similar kind of like FR, right? Where it's a little bit dipped there. Dipped, the, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. And then, but then tons of air, you know, and I mean, the bass lots of. Better. Oh, yeah, way better, way much, better. Much but, flatter. 
yeah yeah exactly for but so, for the rest of the the tonality it sounded a little bit similar to that where it yeah a little bit muffled on the piano tones see that um but, but yeah, yeah so so yeah go ahead with uh that that uh yeah so inspiration so this is a complicated question because you know there's there's people that are going to argue all day how much the tuning actually matters and i've seen people on there's people on both extremes there's people yeah. that don't care about fr whatsoever and think it doesn't matter and there's people that think it's should be you know the number one priority um and you know i'm gonna fall somewhere probably in the middle leaning towards the fr matters a lot side um because at the end of the day if something's really really messed up it's just not gonna sound right like i don't know like the have you ever seen the graph of the obravo uh hamt yeah i saw that <laughs> like roller coaster like like it looks yeah, like a that, comb filter that's yeah 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 that'll never sound right um regardless of how uh, technical it is yeah. but on the flip side there's also the argument of how much does the fr contribute to the other things like the sound stage like the detail like the timbre yeah. and there's different theories on how much um you know the fr um contributes to those things because i've seen people that say that they can tell timbre completely off of fr graphs which i don't agree with personally <laughs> but i've seen i've seen people that that's claim ridiculous to to, i've seen people that claim that too <laughs> uh, and then I've mentioned this before too, where you can dip out your mid range to give, uh, you know, the sense of sound stage, but then uh, maybe some headphones that don't have as dipped a mid range also have sound stage and there's driver placement things. And so at the end of the day, you know, what matters more FR or technical ability, there, there does have to be a, somewhere in the middle, like a middle ground of, you have to get the FR at least somewhat to your target. But if if you sacrifice the technical ability, then, you know, if you're trying to charge big money for it, it's just won't work. Yeah. So you, ha you have to somehow get that perfect, or not perfect, but, you know, somewhere in that balance. middle ground of the balance of how close can I get to my target while also maintaining my my technical ability. And but this so... is a very complex issue. As the as the guys from uh, MyTech were saying, you gotta you gotta find the Gaussian curve, where it's like, you know, where, wherever the middle is, you know, for, uh, mm -hmm. you know, performance to, to mm -hmm. frequency response mm -hmm. to tonality. Yeah, um, and that's that's kind of what I'll say about like the double O nine. The double O nine has crazy detail, but it, it sacrifices almost everything else for that detail it's really <laughs> weird fr it's kind of thin sounding the timbre sounds really wrong yeah but it's but see that's most, it's one of the most resolving headphones in existence though so like when you get the technical ability to a certain point that then you can charge big money for it but mm. if it, but if it sounds horrible <laughs> yeah. yeah you could have that headphone that's worth the four thousand dollars or whatever that actually doesn't sound good it just has the crazy technical ability to be able to hang with everybody else up there pretty much but it just doesn't sound great yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's like okay well i'd rather lose i'd rather buy an lcd4 with well i guess that's also weird fr to be fair but oh yeah it's just super it's weird but we're used that's the thing with the lcd4 there's two things going for it one is that we're used to knowing what we need to do with an lcd4 with, yeah with an odyssey yeah yeah and then the two is the reveal plugins mm -hmm. right so that yeah that's makes it easier <laughs> um mm -hmm. yeah so a lot of the other ones are like it. we don't know <laughs> 
Yeah, it's easy to EQ an, an LCD yeah, four. It's very simple. You just pull yeah. up whatever four, four and a half K. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I was just gonna say I notice it more. It's it's very noticeable in planars and e stats, uh, but it's also I feel even more noticeable for high end IEMs, where mm -hmm. like something costs like over two grand, and the technical performance is crazy. But I just think to myself, did anybody actually listen to this after they put oh, these yeah. crazy drivers in? Like, there's so, so many IEMs that I think, how can you justify this price tag? But at the same time, they, they probably can because whatever technology they're using in them is is groundbreaking, is like mm -hmm. something new and pushing the limits and um, oh, yeah. whatever yeah. performing category. And you want to talk about headphones using new technology, you got this thing oh yeah <laughs> so that was what was whole, the other one i was gonna bring up that's a whole nother yeah we could talk about that for a little bit yeah that's the aura the aura sound uh which i'm actually gonna film the review of that tonight but yeah i'll anyway, wait till um, your let's wait till your review on that one and then you can kind of i might give you a little quick preview but <laughs> sure uh anyway so what was i saying something before the aura oh uh iems iems yeah i mean honestly what you said about iems I, mean, I think that a lot about some headphones too. Yeah, like, did anybody definitely. really listen to this thing? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, you have a lot of IEMs with really weird um, FR, like the um, Campfire IO. I think it has like the weird, like little peaks. Uh, I. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, I, I didn't find it had peaks. I just found I had a piece missing between 2 and 3K. Well, it's like just yeah. gone. <laughs> but yeah, I didn't mind weird. the IO as much because I thought that the areas oh, where it's either. like... Well, I'm not a fan either, but like I I thought that some of the criticism wasn't as well placed because mm -hmm. if you compare the IO's treble to other IEMs that cost a lot more money, mm -hmm. the treble for the IO was better. So it's like... Well, it depends how where you define trouble. Yeah, but... it depends on yeah, it depends yeah. On what you, what you value. But like, but... I've heard some IEMs at like nine hundred dollars. That's like, how can you justify oh, yeah. this? Like, why? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you if you ever look through like um, Critical's uh, ranking yeah. list, yeah, yeah, you go you go down to like E like E tier stuff, and it's like two three. You see the price tags, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And there's like yeah. two three thousand dollar IEMs with like. Or the, the, and then once again, the, like the Obravo Ross CQ, it's a $10,000 IEM. Jesus. That measures horrendously. It's just like, yeah. okay. Well, but, actually, uh, yeah, I totally in, agree with you. That leads into another question one of the guys had in the, the, the mm -hmm. uh, chat here. They, were, they wanted to know what uh, each of our preferential uh, IEMs were. I guess we could do another quick. Oh, like favorite IEMs? Yeah. Just real quick, I see, I noticed, I wanted to mention something here. Um, Oops. Well, my camera fell over. <laughs> so as he's right, as he's <laughs> fixing that, uh, MDZPNMD asks, "Why are beryllium drivers the best?" Um, so if you're talking if you're talking dynamic drivers, it's it's because they are self damping. Beryllium is it, like if you there's a video somewhere where somebody has a tuning fork made out of beryllium, and then they have a regular tuning fork. And then they just they hit it on the table, and the beryllium one has zero resonance whatsoever. It's just like thunk. <laughs> uh, and so yeah, it's a, it's a self damping material, um, and so that's and so you get incredibly fast uh, drivers if you're using, using pure beryllium. They're um, white too, right? Yeah, yeah. So your stiffness and rigidity is just off the charts, and so you have really good 
well first of all the excursive capability is good in in the focal headphones like the the um like the utopia and the stelia but you get you get really good restorative force as well um so your overall speed is just nuts with those uh but as far as whether or not it's the best i think that is more of a personal preference thing because we do end up getting people who get this is what we talked about last time tyler and i did where you, we have people who there's a certain reverence for like biodynamic sound and or something with you know timbre or something like that right um or me i love the sound of planars right so it's it's not just it's not enough to just be like, oh yeah, Brilliant is the best driver type. It's, it's, it's a little very more personal too. It's, it always yeah. goes into that, right? There's always going to be that personal factor. Yeah. To it. Exactly. Yeah. Um, while we're Max. yeah, while we're waiting uh, for Max to <laughs> solve the issue here, Actually, we can talk about IEMs. The, the HDMI cable broke in the uh, camera. Let me see if I can fix it. Broke oh, in the camera? That's like the connector good. broke off. Oh that's no. I think that yeah. might be it for my video, but that's fine. We can all just <laughs> well, well, this will be the last question, and then yeah, yeah, yeah we'll I, wrap I'm it up here. real quick. So I, have, I have the least probably amount of experience with IEMs than the rest of you guys. Uh, sure. I'm not the biggest IEM guy, so I tend to last resort is IEMs for me. Uh, my ears don't don't get along with them. Uh, but as far as the ones I use the most, I would have to say the Andromeda Green, the original ones. Uh, I think the version two is what I used for a very long time. Um, and then I just I recently, in the last six months or so, got the uh, Andromeda Golds, uh, which I really enjoy. But, uh, they fit a nice profile for me. Um, and then I also had, I went through like a series of the wonderful, uh, uh, I guess you want to call it Chi-Fi or the... Oh, yeah. Uh, and so, uh, and I actually really enjoyed some of those, like the 10, the 10 group, the... the 10, uh, 10 Hi-Fi? Yeah, 10 Hi-Fi is... Uh, they're they're all their their one through three uh, and up the pros. I actually got all three, all of them, all the versions, and then eventually, like I slowly gave them to like family as, as gifts. But they were those are really good too, especially for the price. I was really impressed with those. Um, I'm trying to think, the other ones are really good that I liked. Uh, I really liked the Solaris, but it was just too big to me. Like that was actually oh yeah. Honestly, if, if I could have fit those in my ears better, those I would have those instead of the drum. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think, the other ones. Uh, I've had the comets actually. I think I have them sitting here somewhere. Um, but they actually, I think they, they, I gave them to the wife, and I think she banged them together too much, and they don't sound good. <laughs> just um, sitting there like smashing them. Together. Yeah, <laughs> she, she's not. So I, so now she has my my last pair, the most recent ten high five. I, so I bought yeah. those, and I ended up giving her. Um, and then uh, the K, I think it's KZ. I think I had a couple of those, and those all went all offensive. Those are all really good. Like as far as the mm. price and stuff, I think those are. Yeah. Those guys are same what they're doing with that you know i need to get more into some of the chi-fi iems because what i heard at can jam was i heard the moondrop um blessing two. Mm -hmm. oh yeah that, that that iem for it the price was crazy good yeah that's pretty good yeah the like it's basically a harman tuned ish similar to a harman target with pretty darn well, good every... stage Everything Moondrop is Harman Target, more or less. Yeah, yeah, that's their, yeah. Um, so they'll sound good from a tonality perspective for most people, but the, the stage on it, like the, it had good technical ability, better than what I was, would have imagined for the $320 or whatever it costs. It's, it's really inexpensive, but really good. Um, for me, for IEMs, I guess Max is still here, but... You know, yeah, I'm we, still here, but yeah, my, we, I just said we had... This stream is the only, uh, you know, 
record of Max's face now, so he's forever <laughs> not going to be able to uh, turn the camera around. No, um, but yeah, so for, for me, for IEMs, uh, the best IEMs that I've heard, like my ideal IEMs are the 64 audio ones. Um, yeah, like everything... Yeah, everything they make, like the so that's this goes back to the question we were just talking about before about technical performance versus frequency response, and or versus tonality, let's say. Uh, and it seems like, uh, again, like it, with IEMs, when I'm comparing them, some that focus exclusively on the technical performance, uh, or that they're not as meticulous about the frequency frequency response and tonality. I end up not enjoying them as much as the ones that are specifically tuned for frequency response and tonality because with IEMs I have trouble EQing if I'm on the go somewhere from some from you know using a this DAP doesn't actually have a built-in EQ right so I changing it is a bit of a challenge with with IEMs or more of a challenge for me so I'll go with the 64 audio stuff because to me that stuff while both while it is technically very impressive for detail uh, and for all of the categories, uh, they also are very meticulous about frequency response and tonality, even yeah. when they're trying to produce stuff that has different flavors, like different types of sound. So like, for example, my go-to ideal tuning, ideal, my, like favorite IEM so far is still, I think, the U12T. But uh, the it's, it's a tough, it's a tough choice for me between the U12T and the Tia Trio because the Tia Trio has better uh, technical ability for bass, even though I really like the bass of the U12T. It's like, it's tight and awesome. Uh, and it's just that the Tia Trio has a slightly more fun V-shaped kind of sound, but it's tasteful. It's not like extreme. It's not, you know, a lot. It's just a little bit. Um, and so, to me, yeah, uh, I I don't know which one I would pick. I think it would depend on the genre. Uh, whereas the U12T is much more treble focused, and the treble detail for the U12T is still some of the best I've heard in an IEM. Um, it's a little bit emphasized, but it's fantastic. Um, so I would have to say that's like the number one for me is U12T. Um, for technical ability uh the legend x was surprisingly uh good for soundstage better than the tia trio i found um but the tonality there was just too much bass like <laughs> yeah yeah so so actually I mean, the valkyrie i have here i used that on <laughs> but i actually did a quick impressions video of the valkyrie as well but um that's sitting right in front of me uh the valkyrie is an extremely v-shaped iem with about the same technical ability as the Solaris, but the Solaris is a more normal tuning. The Valkyrie is like, it's it's bass and treble, and then there's a bit of a 5K hertz peak, which it depends on the music that you're listening to. For some of the music, it's totally fine, but for some other music, it, it you notice the 5K hertz peak, which it leads to a bit of what I like to call like percussion compression, like cymbals and stuff sound a bit compressed. Um, but overall, still, like the the technical ability of those empire years iems are crazy good like even the one that i use the uh, the zeus 14 which i didn't really like all that much i the technical ability there is nuts um so like right up there with stuff that costs more money <laughs> so um 
I, I'd have to say, like, my ranking for IEMs right now would go, like, U12T, Tia Trio, um, Solaris, uh, Legend X is in there, too. I, I think it's, you know, you got to celebrate what they achieved with Legend X as far as technical performance. Uh, and then, yeah, Solaris is in there. And then after those, I would go with, you know, Andromeda and very close to the Andromeda, I'd have to have them side by side, would be this new Moondrop Blessing 2. I don't know, Max, what did you think about the Blessing 2? Uh, what's the Blessing 2 cost, like 400 Well, so I saw a price for 320 320 Yeah, US. For, the, for the price is pretty good. Did you try the S8, though? Nope. Okay, the S8 is like the Blessing 2, but like better with better detail. Mm, interesting. Like $700? Okay. It's Wait, is it, is it also Moondrop? What's or who yeah, makes it? Also, yeah, Moondrop S8. Ah, interesting. I need yeah, to it's... I need to get more into the Moondrop stuff because man, like yeah, to I me like this it's like a, yeah, and like that's the thing for IEMs because I'm not gonna EQ my IEMs, you know. Um, even even when I listen to the Andromeda now, like that's been like a benchmark for so long, and I listen to the Andromeda now and try and compare it with other IEMs that I don't know cost the same. Mm -hmm. There's stuff out now that I think it kind of dethrones the Andromeda a little yeah, bit. Yeah, the the big one for me was the uh, the Sony IR. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like it's, it technically retails at fifteen hundred, but it's like a thousand on Amazon now. Yeah, and that wow. thing is crazy good. And I've seen them for like open box sets for like a little over six hundred. Yeah, that thing is crazy good deal for how cheap they are. I I did hear the uh, the Z one R. IRZ1R. Yeah, guy. wasn't I wasn't a fan of the treble. Like I, I, th the bass was very good. The detail in the bass was pretty mm -hmm. crazy, uh, and the, for the most part, the frequency response was agreeable. I just I found that it was a little bit lacking in the. Uh, yeah, it just felt felt a little bit too relaxed in the treble I, for me. I would I would call this interject real quick. Like you're talking about the drama is kind of setting that standard, and I think of it like the. Uh, it reminds me of the way the HD 800 was and is, if that makes sense, like where it falls now in, in today's market. Today. You know, if you, you're almost similar, like comparison wise, uh, as far as like the, where they sit with everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I, I'd like to see, well, know, I'd like to see more hybrid IEMs. I think that would be, we've been dealing with Knowles balanced armatures <laughs> <laughs> for well, way too many IEMs for way too long. <laughs> you see, the thing that's interesting about the Sony IEMs, like the IER Z1R and the uh, the M9, is they are BAs, but Sony yeah. has so much money, they make their own BAs. Well, same with uh, 64 Audios, yeah. uh, you know, the TIA drivers there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like not all BAs are the same, but I do see a ton of IEMs that use... Your Knowles or Sony. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I just, yeah, in my mind, like, I, the... I get a little bit more sensitive to the BA timbre oh, the more I listen. It's uh, like this Zeus, the Zeus 14 here, 14 Knowles BA drivers, and the BA timbre, while it's crazy detailed, the BA timbre obscures the detail, I find. Yeah, um, um, just... and some BA IEMs have worse than others. Yeah. Like the U12 is really good timbre. Yeah. Yeah, and it's like that's the thing. Like the, I always thought there was a limit to what BAIMs could do, and then I heard the U12T and was like, no, I, yeah, 
And the bass too for for an all oh, yeah. has a really it's good bass. Fantastic for yeah. yeah. Um, um, but I, other, I still think hybrids sorry, are the way to go. No, just yeah. yeah the the other thing I was going to point to the the thing that I actually walked away from Canjan this year buying was uh, Edamonic ER4XR. Oh, crazy! I didn't and know that. That is a one BAIM. <laughs> And the amount of detail that thing could pull for, and the amount of yeah. bass it has for, like three hundred bucks. I paid two fifty on a show discount, but they cheap like though. Three hundred, yeah, is crazy good resolution and bass for a one BAIM. It's honestly amazing that a single driver, a single yeah. BA driver, can pull like that kind of technical technical performance and tuning. Yeah, they they the Edomotic stuff is like also a bit of a benchmark there for tonality mm -hmm. and all that stuff. Yeah. But I, I do think that they cheat because they only have to contend with what one gain factor. Because <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah, for the money though, it's, it's crazy. Oh yeah, definitely. But yeah, I I can never get around the like putting pushing a finger length into your ears. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, odd. I, that was the thing was I could never do them either. But they yeah, they're yeah. coming out now with the with the dual flange tips. Instead yeah. of the triflange, they're way okay. better. They don't have to go as deep. So okay. I was talking to the rep, and he's like, yeah, over the years, we've had a lot of complaints that the, the triflange are too deep and not comfortable. So now we have a new dual <laughs> flange that don't have to go as deep. Because that was always my thing, was I couldn't wear them because the triflange is too deep. But now with the dual flange, they're actually pretty comfortable. Oh, that's good. That's good. I'm still potentially looking into maybe getting some customs at some point. Yeah, I have, pair, so. I have a pair of custom in... uh, UERM. Did anyone get a chance to see the the new Andromeda customs that they're doing? Oh, the I saw them. Equinox. I yeah, I listened yeah. to it. And Solstice is the one for the. Or, um... or is it the Solstice or the Equinox? I always get them backwards. Equinox. So yeah, one of those. Which one is it? Hang on. Is it Solstice. E Solstice sounds. Is it Equinox? Equinox is Andromeda. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Is Equinox Andromeda? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I did hear it very shortly. Or no, Solstice is the Andromeda. That's the oh, new Solstice. One. Okay. Solstice. What's the Equinox then? What is the Equinox? Is it? Equinox was older. That the the yeah. Solstice is newer. I don't know what the Equinox is. The Equinox is just one single DD. Huh. Oh, that's. I don't, I don't. I don't know if that's like. I don't a, know what that is. Then. <laughs> I don't. I don't think that's a custom version or anything. I think that's, that's no. its own beast. Yeah, no. but the 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 Solstice from my like two minutes of listening to it sounded a lot like an Andromeda. I didn't hear it back to back, but the overall tuning. Yeah, sounded very reminiscent of the Andromeda. It might have been better detailed, but I didn't listen to the Andromeda right after it, so I couldn't tell you for sure. So how do you listen to a custom IEM at a show? Um, so with the Solstice, it was a custom. You just have to, like, force fit it. Oh, okay. So, you, so they have a general... Mm -hmm. That sounds gross, man. It, it, yeah, you have to force <laughs> fit it. It's weird. IEM's uh, at a um, trade show. That's some... <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, you... Equinox is Atlas. That's right. That's right. Was oh, it the Atlas? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Did you hear speaking of sixty four? Did you hear the new A eighteen S stage? Uh, no, I didn't hear it. No. Um, okay. I guess yes, they I... they had that there. They had they actually had a regular universal version of that for showing wait, off. Wait, what? They had a wait. Wouldn't that just be a U? Oh wait, it'd be like a U eighteen S. Yeah, but they're not actually making a U eighteen S. They're not selling that. Yeah, there's a bunch of 64 audio stuff that's uh, only on, on, on the horizon. That's yeah, uh, yeah. I'm I'm, a, I'm hopeful to get uh, to get a chance to do like a full you know 64 audio you know comparison review. That would be cool. To me, like everything I've heard from them so far has just been like 
yep, these guys do it right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they well, figured it out. It was like, have you heard the 18 versus the 12? The T 18T versus 12T? Uh, the 18, I did finally hear it, but not. I didn't compare uh, okay. to, the, to the 12, no. Okay, but generally I actually like the 12 more than I liked the, the what do you call it, 18T. Oh yeah, me too. And for yeah, sure. I told I told that to the rep, and he's like, "Yeah, a lot of people have said that that they liked the uh, the twelve T more than the eighteen T." So with the eighteen S, we tuned it a lot more like the the U twelve T. Interesting. And sure enough, it does sound like a more detailed U twelve T, but it's so only it sounds like custom. For if I'm gonna get custom, I need to get the. I mean, obviously try it, but yeah, but but they should do well if they do a universal of that at some point. That would be well. They probably won't though, because the stage. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Uh, anyways, we should probably wrap this up because we've been going for a couple sure. hours. Two hours. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I wanted to ask one last from the from the comments. Sure, sure. Uh, yeah, there's like it's kind of two that the Fijian guy jumped in real quick. He was like, uh, "How do you deal with two significant others in your headphone hobby?" And then the last one, which I think we should all end with, was, uh, "What's your worst fear in this hobby?" Oh, she actually just like walked out. She's like, "You're doing this again." I'm out. Yeah, my wife. My wife. Uh, she's like, "Oh, you're doing that." I'm gonna go run go to the store. I'm gonna go shopping all day long. Man. Yeah, I got a message from her saying she's 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 gone. So, how do you deal with significant other with this hobby? Uh, well, you don't. Uh, you just don't have one. No, you, you hide in a room. By <laughs> it reminds me of uh, all those gadgets video where he was comparing his review channel to to z reviews and he says my first question for you is do you have a wife (laughs) (laughs) um yeah it's uh so far it hasn't been like an issue for me um but i think there's a lot of um understanding can go a long way and so Mm -hmm. if you can start the like difference process and involve the person like be like okay here's yeah like (laughs) like here's this more here's what you're used to and then here's a you know sandara right or Mm -hmm. just even doesn't need to be a crazy one just something that is actually good um and then they get to a point where they it's it's when they finally realize that they don't ever want to go back to that crappy thing that they were using before like in my case it was the beats um the, the one I reviewed, I don't remember the name. Solo, Solo 3. 3. Yeah. Where, when uh, when my girlfriend said that uh, it sounded muffled and horrible, I went, yes. <laughs> Whereas I think if, you know, I didn't go through that process of, hey, hey, try this one out, or try this one out, try this one out, and to the point where, you know, now she's used to good sounding headphones. I think if I didn't go through that process, um, the Beats Solo 3 would have sounded like, oh, lots of bass, you know. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it's just a matter of bringing them along, I think. Um, yeah. And with IEMs as well, actually, with IEMs, it was a, a bit a huge one where it was like going from little, you know, garbage e- earbuds that come with phones, uh, unless they're the good ones, the Galaxy ones or whatever, but like the, the ones that you get that for like, you know, 20 bucks or something like that, to uh, I think in my case it was um, Brainwaves B400. So it's a four balanced armature. I am. It was like, oh, this is way better. <laughs> um, it it goes a long way. Um, so that that would be my advice for that. Um, 
I don't. What about yeah. you, Tyler? For as far as that goes, yeah, my wife is a ain't nobody got time for that type of person. So she <laughs> tends to like, okay, these are cool, they sound good, anyways, and we move on. So I, it's, she's she's harder to. <laughs> I mean, oh, oh, uh, with with that in mind, don't don't say how much stuff costs. Oh no no that's, no! Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, that's a big no no. Uh, it's, it's, it's there's a joke about somebody who posted up as about uh mountain bikes or something like that and it's like in my will don't tell my wife how much mountain <laughs> bikes cost and i was like i repurposed it for like headphones yeah. like in my will don't tell my wife how much yeah. cost. um yeah. and then uh but yeah as far as that goes i think the biggest thing is, is just be be honest about it you know try to get into it but at the same time it's going to be that everyone has their own thing and sometimes it just doesn't work it's like trying to you know but i think uh once she goes back to uh right now she's using like i said the 10 t4s right now mm. uh, she had the comments before that and but before that she was using like those five dollar jelly buds or whatever the heck the skull candies i don't know oh yeah um and so i think if she ever goes back i think that will be the the final like Oh, haha. <laughs> there are also, you know, people who specifically will only get headphones that have cat ears. So they have to have oh, yeah. cat ear headphones. And to and if that's the case, then I just think they don't care about music. Mm. And all you do is you buy them a good headphone and you get the clip-on ones that Razer makes and you're good to go. <laughs> Actually, the best <laughs> best cat ear headphones are it's it's this right here. The Verum 1? The Verum 1. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or the Verum 1.0. Oh, he changed it recently so it doesn't look like that anymore but oh it's got to have cat ears i do the cat ear video with the because you know the you get tons of emails i'm sure you get it too max with people trying to say hey can you review this cat ear headphone so Actually, okay I've i'll compare it to the cat ear headphone but i've gotten some <laughs> weird generic are... emails yeah yeah <laughs> but yeah so uh, what's your yeah solution do you, you have yeah. max you're a young kid so you got uh, you got a uh, just dealing with uh whatever headphones with other people or significant other significant other oh uh well i don't have a significant other right now so that's the solution I really that's how you solution. do it that's, <laughs> yeah right life's so much easier <laughs> yeah you would have won uh, yeah yeah okay biggest biggest what was uh biggest fear in in uh, uh this hobby and so I was saying, like, uh, he he was mentioning audio loss, so basically losing your hearing. Oh. Um, so I mentioned get a get decibel reader <laughs> and keep your your levels low enough to where you can listen over a long period of time. Eighty four dB, man. Yep. <laughs> time go over eighty four. Uh, biggest fear for me, uh, we have to say, okay, so this is like. It's not like a fear that I'm dealing like not anything that I would personally have anxiety about, uh, like on an immediate basis, but sort of a general sense of, of worry is that uh, we hit the limit of what's possible for technical performance for detail and that it doesn't ever get better than what the current best is. That's sort of a general like, uh, what oh. happens if like that's the limit? And then, but it's still there's room for you know you can take that and make well, it more accessible and more you know. Uh, like shrinking things mm -hmm. down. Yeah, yeah, but like if that's as good as it gets for recorded music, right? Music that you know, digital mu music. Um, then mm. uh, you know, where do we go from there? Um, that's the question. Yeah, well, I mean, another thing is, is I could almost honestly almost see arguing that we are at that point where that's what I'm saying. Yeah, you, you can't even right now. I think we actually kind of 
pretty much with stuff like the 09, the Shangri-La, the 12 yeah. where I think we really are even past the point of what, you know, humans can feasibly hear for detail. That's because but detail's the, distortion. Yeah, but the thing <laughs> is that microphones are more sensitive than human ears, so there could be mm. stuff in recordings that, you know, microphones can pick up that I think, you know, typically if you were, there. If you were listening to it, yeah, in real life, you wouldn't hear. Like, I, I actually joke a lot that the 009 is more detailed than real life because at that point, you really are bottlenecked by the quality of the recording. So, but much. I want that. I want more detail than real life, mm-hmm. and I want it to just keep going more and more. So, I want the microphones to get even better. Mm-hmm. I want to hear things that don't exist. Yeah, well, <laughs> at, that, at that point, yeah, we're we're limited to the microphone, the recording, and mastering quality. Yeah, but as far as headphones go, I think we're pretty much getting there. Yeah, That's but fair. we could still we could still get. Um, better so that's as far as detail goes but we could still do better as far as stage presentation or uh even slam mm-hmm. or you know or all the other all of them into mm-hmm. one instead of that yeah episode. exactly yeah. and get the get like you know your frequency mm-hmm. response certainly we can improve on right so there are still improvements there to be had yep. um but yeah my worry is yeah. that like that if, when that gets figured out completely and then it's like oh well that's just the best headphone now and then we don't have conversations like these because everybody knows what the best headphone is and then you just save up money and buy it. <laughs> I don't know. That's yeah. like to me, it that's, would be boring if that. Yeah, but like I don't it's, think that'll ever actually happen. Sadly. No, no. But anyways, I'll let you. Yeah, you guys chime in on biggest fear. <laughs> biggest fear. Yeah, I don't know. What do you think? I, I think hearing loss would be definitely up there. Oh, uh, sorry. As, as I, far I, as immediacy, I, I would say plugging in anything and having oh. it blow up on me. <laughs> yeah, this this guy over here is a worry. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, Samuel White says details, coloration, and timbre is distortion. I got it wrong. Sorry, guys. Detail is coloration, timbre is distortion. Uh, for anyone unaware, that's a joke. That's that yeah. <laughs> uh, so, for uh, most of us, yeah, for most you, of us, that's a joke. <laughs> yeah, if you hang around audio discord, you might get that. If not, yeah, then, uh, yeah. probably not. <laughs> yeah. All right. Sorry. Uh, I'll, I'll let you continue. Uh, or or Max, what's your biggest fear? Uh, let's see, personally, I mean, yeah, probably, I mean, hearing loss is the only thing that comes to mind, but I seem to be doing okay. But as far as, like, fear in the industry? Yeah. Hmm. That's a tough one. Um, Losing a pair of really expensive IEMs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Throwing them in the wash? Yeah, yeah. Maichi 6 dying is a constant fear, because those things... Oh, are okay. Hard. Yeah. But as far as industry goes... I mean, none of my fears, I'd say, are really founded. I mean, there's, like, I don't know, people, like, agreeing upon, like, a one, like, universal standard that I highly disagree with or something like that. Mm. But I don't think anything like that will ever actually happen. What about, so, again, another one of the things that I was chatting with Dr. Bian about uh, from Hi-Fi Man, he's pushing heavily on wireless. And in my opinion, it's not there. But currently, no, it's it's a lot better than it used to be. Yeah, we had this discussion yeah. like three or four years ago, and now it's no, it's but finally my, getting to the point where it's like okay, it's usable now. My my worry with that though is that while yes, it is still going in the right direction, and there it will eventually, I think, be there. I think he's right about that. Uh, I do still worry that 
then we lose this whole uh, relationship with source equipment, like uh, tube amplifiers, for example. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How do you that's... you're gonna wear tubes in your headphones? <laughs> Maybe actually, I, I think there is a headphone with tubes built in. Oh, really? That's crazy. Is, is it like one of those, uh, like the ones from the, the like the Nos General Electric, where it's like tube but only sort of oh, like a tube? The, like the uh, new, is it like the? No, I think it's a the one that's in the N8. The one that's in the N8. The, yeah, yeah, the that new, one. New that tubes. One. Yeah, yeah, new tubes. Yeah, yeah. I don't think so. I think it's a, I think it's a full tube. I have to find it. <laughs> that's it's crazy. Um, but yeah, like the just the relationship with the source gear and that I mean, yeah. doing all that kind of stuff. I mean, you could argue that you could make like hot swappable amp and DAC modules, but the thing is, uh, like, how many people really care about? You yeah, know, once like, you have the headphone, like, and you know, you're like, for example, the with the Panda, right? Using the THX amps, yeah. that. I mean, on the one hand, it's cool that they do that because then you actually get amps that are good enough for the Oppo driver, right? Mm-hmm. And. Uh, but the downside, as far as I see it, is that you lose the relationship between the headphones and the various different types of mm-hmm. equipment that you could potentially run it from, because you're always now fixed running it off of that whatever yeah. is in the headphones. Yeah, which is fair. I mean, and I get he's pushing wireless, but you know this this actually reminds me of something of an interesting conversation from from Canjam was um, Sankar of Odyssey. He he was carrying around a. A prototype yeah. of the LCD one Felix. closed back. The Felix, the Odyssey Felix, is what it's going to be called. Yeah. The LCD one closed back that everybody wants, but it's Bluetooth, which that's a whole nother discussion. Is why would I buy that over Mobius? But uh, but anyway, regardless, um, you know, and Metal Five Seven One, he told him, he said, he said, what everybody in this room wants is just a passive LCD one closed yeah. back. And yeah. Sankar responds, he says that everybody in this room wants that, but that's not what the general market wants. Yep. But he's probably right. He's probably right, yeah. Much to but, my dismay. Yeah. <laughs> and th- that's the thing is that a lot of these audiophile brands are going to have to start figuring out is how much do they re- want to start catering towards, you know, the general market and at what kind of price points. Yeah. Because there's there's some companies that make like multi kilowatt headphones that like I think are targeting consumers to somewhat, and I'm just like, how many average consumers are really going to buy this product? And they make sacrifices for what's well, the the whole concept of uh, uh, you know quantity over quality, I guess, right? Mm-hmm. Like some level, right? I don't know. I I think one of the biggest limitations though for audio audiophile companies that are who are you know, releasing these multiple thousand dollar products or even just the thousand dollar price range isn't the price. It's mm-hmm. it's the design of the headphone. It's the yeah, way that that, that it's mm-hmm. the way that this stuff looks or use is, you know, usable. Right. People who are like, again, it's it's the most people. If you tell them, oh, I, I have some really nice headphones and how much they cost, cost a thousand dollars. They go, oh, does it do noise canceling? So really, that that whole idea of you know usability and also aesthetics, like I think, aesthetics, I, mean, yeah. I I can't yeah. like walking through Canjam is like I can't believe that people think that this stuff is a good idea for how it looks for design. It might look good for for, for us for audiophiles, but for a mass consumer audience, Agreed. a lot of this stuff looks very like uh, conversation small. piece in a bad way. <laughs> yeah, 
that's well, where they, I think the, the focality comes into play, right? Like they're they're catering to a lifestyle. Like if you look at the lifestyle stuff, right? Yeah, but even then, man, like uh, the Stelia is an acquired taste for yeah, house. Yeah, Elysia better looking. <laughs> Elysia is the best better. looking headphone. Yeah, yeah. it's fantastic. But, Everything yeah. should just look similar, you know, to this. I, just, I was yeah. gonna say if they made the Stelia in this color scheme. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's look, look, bring up. Sorry, go ahead. I would say look at the, like Hi-Fi Man headphones. They sound amazing. Apart from the the sort of like looking at them, the Sandara is the most normal looking of all of them. Mm-hmm. All the rest of them, they look crazy. Well, yeah, that's what I was gonna talk about too. Is like they have the Ananda Bluetooth right now. And I'm just like, yeah. okay, it's cool, but like, who really wants this product? <laughs> that was also I mean, like wireless wireless, wireless open back. Wireless is weird. open back planar that leaks. <laughs> Endlessly, because those those were like basically speakers. Did you see the the footage of me walking around town mm-hmm. with the? Uh... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> That's yeah. the problem, man. Why would problem. you? <laughs> and it's just like, okay, well, no consumer is going to buy this because they don't want an open back yeah. headphone. And it's like at this point, if I'm going to bother with you know having an open back planar headphone, do I really want to gimp it with Bluetooth? It's just like because you're going, you're taking those steps at this point, and yeah. it's just like. Why am I making this like little sacrifice if I'm already going towards all the trouble to maximize, you know, my utmost quality? So Fang's counter argument to that, because I I raised that issue. Um, his counter argument was that Bluetooth, the the next Bluetooth protocols are are going to be far superior, and they're just they're getting a lot better. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he thinks that that is it's going to be good enough in the short term to where. Maybe not the Ananda and the Deva, but whatever the next version of, is of those headphones would be able to take advantage of. Kind of like getting um, it of the curve kind of thing. Yeah. I Did Did you try the Deva? The Deva? Yeah. Yeah, I did. What did you think? I actually didn't mind it. I thought it was pretty decent. But I only tried I, it. You didn't like it? I know. Well, that's the thing, though. It's well, yeah. Metal didn't like it. Flux didn't like it. I didn't. Think the tonality was not for me. Like the ton- that like for its performance, I think it could be okay because it's mm-hmm. like an entry level. It's like what, it's like two ninety nine. Yeah, it's 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 entry level, and and, and with high commitment prices, that'll be like one hundred eighty bucks in like six months. So. Yeah, so like for that, I think it's it's probably fine for its technical ability. I mean, it's a, it's a planar. It's based on the AT four hundred eyes. Did you uh, try it wireless or wired? I tried it wireless. Okay, I tried it wireless uh, too. Yeah, the my concern with that is that as soon as you so with the Deva, I feel that while you gain the convenience factor and the advantage of wireless, and it is nice, you lose the benefits of a planar. Like the whole point of a planar, like the or like the Sandara, for example, is you get crazy good separation and like crazy good speed and you know. Not stage mm-hmm. necessarily, but like the, the technical performance is is unique. And yeah. once you make it wireless, and you also, I mean, there are certain things with the frequency response that I didn't really like either. It, it's like, well, why why even have this when you know you could have a if if you care so much about wireless, why would you get this over one of the dynamic driver headphones that's already doing it well, like the Sony W. I can't remember that. Well, yeah, and then three or but then who yeah. who really wants a wireless open back too? That's the that's thing. the other thing. Yeah, like I don't to me, the wireless open back segment at all? Not at all. No. Um, but so when I was chatting with him again, you guys will see in the I'll release a video of it. But uh, it, he said the inspiration was from when he was he was lying back, 
and that sense of freedom that he got without having to compromise in the sound quality that was with the yeah that's, uh, what, that's what people tell me but it's just yeah. like really? but i i still think you, you you compromise on it a bit yeah. and the ananda bluetooth is not the same as the ananda wired no like anybody would different. well and and also the sound like the, the frequency yeah. response is different too like i think anybody would uh the only thing that's the same is that it looks it has the it same, the same. yeah I, yeah mm -hmm. but no uh, now on the flip side you have stuff like the mobius that makes a lot more sense mm -hmm. no it's closed it's closed, well, yeah, because that's why it, it makes sense. It's multi-purpose too, right? Like it's like, yeah, yeah, it's multi-purpose. The only thing with that is the noise floor. If they could yeah. put like a THX amp in a Mobius, that'd be that'd be amazing. Yeah. Um, well, and that's that's the whole thing for me. It's like why you know, we're doing audiophile high-end headphones that, especially in the planar world, that many of them require a certain amount of power. Um, I just feel that as soon as you make it wireless you def it defeats the purpose of it being in this audiophile category for yeah. sound when it compromises on on the, the performance well yeah that, that's what i was saying it was like if you're going to the trouble to do the audiophile thing why am i gimping myself exactly by why, why are you putting a limitation right off the bat yeah, why am i putting a limitation if, if i'm already going through the hassle of yeah you know doing going to the audiophile space we're dealing with you know an industry that I mean, I guess they're not, they don't want it to be in the AFL space. They yeah, want I mean, it to be more. And th th this is like, this is like another conversation I've had with people, uh, just like through Discord chats, is people are like, people are like turning on like all this like volume normalization and like compression oh, yeah. in their music. Because they're like, <laughs> they're like, I don't want to have to change the volume for every song. And I'm just like, so you're going to, you, <laughs> you go through the hassle of buying a DAC, buying an amp, getting flack. Uh, uh, crazy like five hundred dollar cables, yeah, headphones, <laughs> and you're gonna you're gonna lose the dynamic range in your music because you can't take two seconds between each song to change the volume. Yeah, it's stuff like that. Yeah, that's that's crazy. Yeah. Uh, that's but yeah, like I I think I I like Hi-Fi Man the way that um, Metal likes Odyssey. I think. <laughs> yeah, I, I generally I generally like Hi-Fi Man a lot. But, but the 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 wireless stuff has me worried. That's we're getting back to the what worries me, and worries that me. it does. Yeah, it does. Yeah. That and then um, really really strong objectivism is another one that oh, yeah. worries me because I'm seeing that grow a lot. Yeah, I I always love borrowing or stealing the phrase from Ryan from Mothouse, where the hardcore objectivism is. Uh, it's defining the the terrain by looking at a map rather than defining the map by looking at the terrain. That's actually yeah. uh, that's a good quote. Yeah, yeah, like that. Um, and so to me, it's like yeah. Actually, yeah, I'll I have can, a, I have I a video can. out about this uh, in the next little bit on the ZMF pendant, where basically, uh, it's exactly the point where we'll latch on to specific data points because that's what we have right now. But that doesn't entail. That's not. What's, what's the enjoyment? What's what's that? There's that. It's picture, right? yeah. So it's like several several pieces of the picture. We're not getting we're not you know getting the whole picture from it for as far as what the experience is. Yeah, experience and yeah. So we're saying okay, here are these pieces. That's that's therefore that is what this is like. And it's like that's it's not that's not enough. No. So yeah. I mean, I could go on a whole other thing about uh, like audio science review and how flawed that logic is. Oh yeah, it's yeah, a whole yeah. Other thing. And then you get people from Reddit being really angry, and then yeah, you know, or people that have never even heard a thing. <laughs> yeah, kind of branch account, like, have you yeah. even heard this? Yeah, <laughs> I, I had it, somebody, it, yeah, arguing that the trying to tell me that anything that costs more than the JDS Atom mm -hmm. is adding coloration to it. 
Well, I mean, or this just the fact. Well, see, see, this this is the thing that this thing that baffles me about hardcore objectivists like this is there comes a point in the measurements of like cyanide and THD and noise floor and all that where it doesn't matter. Where it doesn't matter. So yeah. there, there's this hard cutoff point where it's just like okay, anything above this, objectively speaking, shouldn't be audible. And yeah. yet, when, yet when you go to like ASR and like one of my favorite ones was when the Monoprice uh, 887 came out. Yeah, and it measured like one percent better than the seven. <laughs> All these people are like, "Oh, I'm selling my seven eighty nine to buy an eight eighty seven. Yeah, but if you truly thing. believe what you preach about these objective measurements, it, you shouldn't be able to tell a difference anyway. Yeah, yeah. And it's just like I don't think these people really understand what these measurements mean. Yeah, it, but then and, also on the yeah. flip side is then they want to be totally subjective with headphones at the same time, which yeah. is like. Yeah, it's, it's like okay. it, it continues the circle of confusion, right? Like it's you're working, trying to work with the best, like inaudible differences with this with mm -hmm. source gear, and you're running, you know, six fifties off of it. Like, yep, six fifties are great, but man, it has bass roll off, and it's you know, like it, it's not you know mm -hmm. perfectly well extended either. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't know. Like to me, even. The guy who posts Amir, even the guy who posts that stuff, says yeah, yeah. there's no audible. Yeah, there's no audible difference. No. So, but yet I, yeah. somehow they they like recommend they'll still buy thousand plus dollar amps and DACs based off measurements when it should make a difference. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I'm more interested in measurements for headphones. Like, I think if we had all the perfect equipment, that's the thing. Like, a lot of these, a lot of people who who are these hardcore objectivists, they'll point to, they'll point the finger at. Well, I have this data point that proves that what I'm saying is right, and therefore what you're talking about is just your right. subjective experience nonsense, right? Mm -hmm. It's all BS. Yeah, but, but you tell them that about headphones, they're like, wait a minute. Well, there's that, but then, but then I, I, I feel that like if, in most cases, if we, I think for the rest of us, if we, if we felt that we actually could be perfect objectivists about this stuff, we would be. If we had every single visual representation of the way that something sounds, whether it's for source gear or headphones or whatever, we yeah. would absolutely be objectivists. Oh, yeah. Just the I reality can. is that we don't. We can't have yeah. that yet. Can't. <laughs> and, and on the flip side, I, I personally believe that it is possible to solve audio objectively. We just don't know how to do exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. We're not there yet. I, yeah. How do you measure I'm enjoyment in the sound, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. Or distortion. Uh, enjoyable distortion, I guess. Distortion, yeah. But... I do think that there is some way to measure the stuff that we don't have a metric for, like exactly. Detail. Yeah, we'd have to find some new. Videos, but we just don't know how to do yeah. it. Yeah. So for all those things, like whether it's detail, whether it's uh, even like that, uh, if you listen to the Verite Open, mm -hmm. there's a certain like what I can only describe as euphonic quality to the mids. Mm -hmm. that i don't i don't know what that is <laughs> i don't know how to you know where's the visual data point for that the uh, 3D you, factor of some head mm -hmm. yeah the holographic nature yeah yeah like it's like you put these with head yeah. but then with like amps and dax like why do some amps and dax sound you know more dynamic or more detailed than other ones despite measurements not saying so or, yeah. synergy too there's a synergy factor yeah too. oh yeah totally totally yeah Anyways, we should probably end it there because we've been going on for like almost three hours now. <laughs> yeah, no, so, right. uh, hours. I'm pretty sure yeah. I need to go. <laughs> um, I, I, I want to thank uh, both of you guys for sticking it out uh, this long and thanks everybody in the chat um, for you know, sticking out and asking questions and 
Uh, it's always awesome to do these kind of live streams, so we're going to hopefully be doing some some more of them. Um, yep. In the meantime, uh, for those of you guys who aren't aware, uh, this is part of the... Uh, so Tyler and I are both part of the, and Max as well, the Headphone Community Forum, which I've linked to below in the description. So if you guys want to join the rest of the community, some of you guys are already from there. Many of you guys are from there. I see Martin in the chat. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I think Titian was in earlier. Yeah, yeah. So by all means, uh, join us in the Headphone Community Forum. And I've also left some links in the description for where you can learn about some of the, you know, we're talking about some stuff where they're, we're using all kinds of different terms uh, that you might not be familiar with. And if you want to learn about some of the stuff, I've le left some links below where you can go and just some, you know, headphones 101, become an expert on headphones, that kind of stuff. Um, and actually the one that I think a lot of people, even if you're already an expert, that might be helpful is how frequency response or changes in frequency response impact sound signature. And that way, when you're looking at a frequency response graph and you see various different you know, deviations, elevations or peaks, dips, whatever, uh, you'll be able to get a sense of what that, what the effect of that is going to be for the sound signature of the headphone. Um, so definitely check out some of that stuff, and uh, hopefully I'll see you guys in the in the community forum as well. Uh, but apart from that, uh, thanks for tuning in, everybody, and I will see you guys in the next video. Thanks to Tyler, of course, and thanks to Max Settings. Uh, I'll leave a link to his channel. Go check that out. Uh, and yeah, yep. thanks uh, for follow having him, me. Follow him on Twitter. <laughs> Alrighty, uh, cheers, guys. I'm gonna turn off the stream now. <laughs>